Let's get down to it, boppers. to begin we are north americans and for those of you who still think we're from england we're not no mm -hmm. we put our planes and our trains till we think we might die far from north america where the buildings are old and you might have lots of mimes uh-huh uh, uh. i hate the feeling when you're looking at me that way Cause we're North Americans But if we act all shy It'll make it okay it Makes it go away oh, I don't know, I don't know Oh, where to begin When we're North American But in the end Make the same mistakes all over again Come on now, come now Oh, buddies, buddies It's the Ron and Fez show on what they're now saying is the last warm day of summer. Oh, my God. In the Northeast. Uh, tomorrow, it's going to be 33 degrees. Following day, 19 degrees. It's the day after tomorrow. Yeah, it's the day after tomorrow, and after that, 20 below. Oh. Uh, for those of you in Canada, it's something Celsius. I don't know what it would be. I guess metric Celsius. No. It's metric Celsius degrees out there, so you know it's cold. Jesus. Or as you would call it, uh, July. I mean, just freezing, horrible, tundra July in Canada. That cold. Good God, get the hell out of there. They can't. They're all draft dodgers who can't leave that country right now. I guess their name's on some sort of fucked up list. That's right. I, it's a fucked up list that the FBI, every once in a while, get me that fucked up list, would you? I want to see if Neil Pert is on it. I'm very happy I, I said the name Neil Pert twice in the same week. All right, Ron and Fez show started with some Joy Division and good news if you're a Joy Division fan and a New World uh what was the name of the band? New World Order? New Order. Just New Order. Why yeah. did they throw World in there? Who am I? Fucking NWO. George Bush Sr.? NWO. Oh, World yeah, Man. there it is. <laughs> Hollywood Hogan. Um, which I thought he peaked, personally. I just thought when he decided to rub gravel into his beard, he couldn't have done any better. Great look. Now, uh, uh, a little uh, fucking point here for you guys. You remember the night that they turned... And everybody threw shit on the stage, and Hogan is bad, and Hulkamore is dead, and near right broke out. We were there that night. Oh, we were sitting like in the third row as just bottles and chairs and stuff came over. Our, it was the closest, I think, wrestling has ever been to punk rock. <laughs> Where you're sitting, I was right there to the left. We were just a couple uh, yards back from that. And the people just went nuts. They just, uh, it was a very dramatic night. But that takes away from my entire uh, introduction. Uh, coming up a little later on, uh, from New Order, from Joy Division, uh, now out touring uh, Joy Division uh, albums. 
which is, you know, shocking. Um, Peter Hook. Now, as he's doing this, uh, they've taken his other band away from him. Yeah. He's out of uh, New Order, I guess, for doing the Joy Division stuff. and I guess, yeah, he's doing their two albums. He's got their gift. Oh, New so, Order's giving the chance. So, yeah, the rest of the band is like, well, then you're out. <laughs> uh, so that's coming up a little later on in the show today, because uh, that's how we roll. We are the biggest show in the 80s. You can't fucking stop us now. Do not fuck with us. All right, so um, I was thinking, Watley, you want to handle that interview? Oh, Wally's I'd rather corner. not. Wally's corner. I'll just stay in the corner. How's that? Why? Are you, oh. When are you going to? I thought we we're going to get uh, timidity was going to be a thing of the past. I see you playing the desk like a piano. I know. I'm going to just guess you had a breakfast uh, day today. Today was a breakfast day. What happened? Did someone get hit by a truck? Someone step on a uh, on a dog? Speaking of which, did you see that fucking video from Hollywood? Yeah. It's the single greatest thing about America today. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show, and we'll put that up on 202 Friends. Uh, I got a text today that Opie was screaming at me out on the street, but I was rocking too hard. I just had my fucking headphones in and was just uh, paid no attention to him at all. Listen, it's the morning. Ron Bain's got to rock. I know, but now I feel like bad because my head should be on a swivel all the time looking out. I wouldn't feel bad. I don't like to be that guy who doesn't wave back. It's uh, no. Would you rather be the guy who doesn't wave back or the guy who waves and doesn't get a wave back? Because neither, neither one of those positions. Let me go to somebody who worries about the minutia of life uh, to the point where he can't do his job. So, Fez, I'm going to give you that either or. You're the guy who's yelling, hey, yo, or the guy who doesn't respond. Which is the worst social position? The the worst one is the guy who's yelling and waving. He's Even the, though he has right in his heart, he's his his heart is golden. He's being kind. He's do, he's being social, and yet he's the one who's making the spectacle of himself. Yeah, that's the worst position to be in. All right now, you make made me feel even worse. Now I feel even worse about that because I was hoping I was in the bad position. Because I'm like the anti-social rocker. The actual last person to still, uh, you know, I tune it up as they're walking down the street. <laughs> don't, don't, you're not, you're not, it's not a dying breed. Don't it is. You don't see these anymore. Before, uh, a couple years ago, everyone was like, hey, let's see what's on your list. And mm. every one of you guys had one, and I'm the only one still rocking the streets. Mine broke. So now I just have the New York Post. <laughs> and what? Shove that in your ears? Just wrap my head around. <laughs> All right, are you going to back Fez up on this? That's the worst position. No, the worst position is to be not realizing what the hell's going Dick on. Dick guy. He comes off as being an asshole. But if you were watching from the street, who looks like more the dick? Like in the terms of, let's say you, somebody goes for the high five. Who's yeah. the dick? The guy who puts it up there, or the guy who leaves him hanging? The guy who leaves him hanging. It's the guy who puts it up there. Yeah, I think that's the dick. The guy who leaves him hanging, asshole. All right. No, no, yes, no. I inadvertently uh, fucking dick, dick dopey, and I didn't mean to. <laughs> it's okay. No. <coughs> I'm going to carry this to my grave. No. <coughs> Call the Pope. I need a Catholic prayer immediately. Oh, fuck. Okay. Because I, I have to think that Fez... 
understands uncomfortability more than you because you're a person who doesn't get uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, no it, it takes a lot. No, that's anything. the sad part about it because the guy throwing the wave out is basically in the right. All right, dude. I get it. Jeez. But it's like you're kicking me in the fucking uh, spleen, in my mono spleen. Oh, God. But at that very moment, it's the guy waving that has the worst spot. I know, Fez. You fucking made sure you've put me in my place 90 times now. That breakfast is giving me some heartburn like a motherfucker. What the fuck did you have? Peppers? Fucking uh, McDonald's. Enough with McDonald's. You live in fucking New York. Get them a fucking reasonable breakfast. I can't tell you how many McDonald's breakfasts I've eaten in the last that's, eight that's months. That's wrong. It's that's the wrong. only one you eat. The other ones I just see sitting there. Well, sometimes I eat after the show. I save. Sometimes I save. See, now it's a judgment call. You're being judged. You don't even know about Come it. Come on, I didn't know that. You're getting yelped. You don't even fucking know what it. What the fuck? I haven't eaten any breakfast. Yeah, that's probably why you have mono. <laughs> yeah. How come you don't feed him? That's not part of the deal. I'm not feeding the guy who's bringing in spleen diseases. All right. Good point. I can't fucking say that. He is a carrier. And those are the worst humans we have. They just they just hurt and destroy. Uh, Matthew, you're in manifest. Good morning, Ronnie B. Good morning, Pecker Dicks. It's I've Pepper got an Hicks. itchy bonbon for you. What do you got? Uh, there's brand new, spanking beautiful pictures of the young Scarlett Johansson nude on the intranet. So God this, bless you, this uh, actually makes me feel even worse because I saw this on Opie's Twitter. So as he's bringing joy to the world, to all the boys and girls, and he brought joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea, and what do I do? I rock out... And don't pay any attention. All because I was listening to some Joy Division on the way in. Radio transmission. Why don't they try to reunite with the guy from Cake? <laughs> that could fucking be huge for them. All right, so these pictures, we know for a fact that they're not... They're, they're, pretty, it's, they're real. This they're real. Her bare ass. Well, her bare ass is fantastic. And there's some titty. She brings everything that you need in life. Uh, I actually prefer the ass picture. It's sexier, much sexier. I, but this is definitely, I'm sending these to a boyfriend. Yeah, this is, this is sexting. Now, here's what I don't understand. You're Scarlett uh, Johansson. You don't have to do the extra for the boyfriend. The boyfriend is already going out of his fucking mind here, thinking about the next time with Scarlett. You don't have to do, remember, I got this here for you. There's plenty of movies with that. Now, she goes out of her way to only kind of show nude in the movies. This has got to cost producers a lot of fucking money. Oh, uh, huge. Because she ain't showing this in a fucking film. She doesn't do it. Nope. Uh-uh. She does not. She does not pop a nipple out. You'll get some cleavage, but no areola. People are going to people are gonna be pissed or just masturbating. Which do you prefer? Oh, I like the ass picture. Very sexy. Just like the arch to the back. Yeah. Very sexy. Uh, Zeets? I'm a boob guy. I like them titties. I can't stand the word boob. If we're all going to be adults here, I know you got mono. I know you're <laughs> suffering horribly with the mono, and it's making your baby talk because you got a baby disease. Gazongas. <laughs> I would probably prefer that. I like tits. Um... There you go. Who's a big boy? All right, Fezzi, that puts you in the break and tie position. Uh, give me the ass. See, I was really thinking he would stay consistent with the Fez character. 
Um, it is uh, the Ron and Fez show. We'll be opening up uh, the phone lines here. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's our buddy Greg in New Hampshire. You're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron and Fez. What's going on? Hey, Pepper, I've got an extra ticket for tonight's big fish benefit gig for the state of Vermont. Jump on a plane, fly to Burlington. Essex Junction is like fucking 10 miles. I've got heady nugs. I've got tincture. All sorts of wookie shit. Get your ass up here, Pepper. It's going to rock. Can I tell you, this sounds like the beginning of a Saw movie to me. <laughs> it's fucking too good to be true, Pepper. Bunch of fucking good weed and Molly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, free take. Come on. And then you're going to be fucking tied up, and these New Hampshire guys are going to be butt-fucking no. you. There's no Come way on, out. Pecker Lips. Let's do it. It's Pepper Hicks. Thanks for the <laughs> offer, but no. All right, Pecker Lips turns you down. <laughs> Which, to me, he's the guy, he's the good guy, the opie in this, Pecker Lips, the bad guy, the Ronnie B, Pepper not responding. Alright, maybe I came off as an asshole there, but... You did, you I, came off a little bit as an asshole, he's, it's like, and this has all happened to all of us, uh... At, at a fucking bar before, when the guy goes, let me get you drink, you're like, no, I got my own drink. And you just see that look <laughs> oh, okay. all crushed on his face. Jesus. So that whole thing of, look, I got my own drink, just means to him, go fuck yourself. You smell like shit. I think there's shit inside your pants at this moment. See, that's, that's never what anyone means to uh, bring off. Sir, clean that shit out of your pants. You just fucking dropped a bomb on him. Poop bomb. Um, it's the Ron and Fez show. It's a Wednesday, the last actual warm day that we have out there. Uh, so I'm sure Owen and I were deep into this thing since I saw it on Opie's tweet. We know for a fact that's really her. There's no doctoring. It looks, it's, it's her. This is... The this only is thing now I'm curious is who... Who got these? I'm uh, well. This was, this was apparently there was a story like a few months ago that her iPhone was hacked, right? Don't so, see your iPhone is like a fucking open door to the world. Yeah, the iPhones and the sidekicks too. A few years ago. Now I'm wondering console. if she just did this for herself. Like this is something I'll masturbate to later. Pictures of myself. Oh my god, that'd be fucking hot. I'm thinking, when did she get divorced from Reynolds? Otherwise, I think it would, it would have been for Reynolds. Green Lantern. Baby. All right. Now you're fucking talking. Boyfriend, husband scorned. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm putting it out. Look at what you're missing, motherfucker. Other person, Sean Penn. He was rebound guy. Yeah. He probably, she was like, I got to fucking do something to bring Sean Penn in. I got to give him a taste of this. Look what you can get. We don't know at this point. No. But somebody hurt little Scarlet. And again, probably, believe it or not, costing millions of dollars. Because <laughs> if there was some independent film, and you heard that she got naked, a huge amount of guys are going to show up to a film that they wouldn't normally go to. Of course, yeah. Some fucking shitty rom-com or whatever. Or whatever, just some shitty... Thrill. Why do you do that when you know Mono fucking loves rom-coms? Well, Mono's good. Mono could have given me the fucking Mono so I can give two fucks. Sounds you, like a you new rom-com. You... <laughs> I could give two fucks coming soon <laughs> to a theater near you. They divorced in July of this year. Okay. So, Let's fucking detective this shit up there, Charlie Chang. And it was hacked in March. 
So maybe they were having marital troubles. Oh, they were. Yeah. No one just gets divorced last second. So she was fucking throwing this out to some dude, I think. Or maybe it was an attempt to save their marriage by being like, hey, remember this? Right. See, there's so oh, many wow. fucking theories that work. Jesus. I'm going to I'm gonna blame Ryan Reynolds. I am. Thanks, Ryan. And I'm going to not go to his last nine movies because of this. You're really going to miss Green Lantern? Green what? I, I, I just I said Lantern. <laughs> Green Lantern. The fucking mono is destroying your tongue. <laughs> You're really going to miss Green Lantern? Oh, fuck. Seriously. It's in my brain now. If you want to do fucking radio in West Virginia, let me know. I'll move there with you. We'll be the fucking wheeling wheelhouse. Just the big wake-up show. All right, cool. Who's you're in the wheelhouse? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, hold on, uh, I got a fucking break here. We got trouble in the mines, uh, so we're gonna get to the bottom of this. <laughs> trouble in the mines, everybody. But that is in the mines. That is in the mines. I don't. I can't imagine how uh, you would. Go into a fucking mine and think to yourself, I'm going to stay here all day. I, those miners are fucking batshit crazy. They're I was hardcore. in a, a thing, it was called Endless Caverns, where you get into this fucking like, little train thing, and they take you far under this mountain. Oh, God, God. I'm going to say a mile below. Okay, cool. Gee, damn. And you go down there, and it's like low fucking ceilings, tight walls. They turn off all the, the lights. So now you're in a blackness like you've never experienced before. And, I, and my joke was, does anybody hear rumbling? Because I was a kid. Uh, but really, it gave me the thing of, no, I could never be a miner. I'd rather be a fucking panhandler. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, here's one for you. Are you one of those guys who works up way high or down in the mines? That's a fucking scary question. I'll be on a fucking skyscraper steel worker guy. You're going to be one of those guys eating a fucking, you're eating your just lunch? Sitting down, just hanging out. I'll do that. Fuck I, it. I, I got news for you. If I was one of those guys, I'd at least take lunch on the ground. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yes. I mean, it took forever. I mean, they're fucking, that there's only one elevator. Still, I want to spend a little time on the ground. <laughs> I want to spend a little time not hanging off a fucking girder. I'd just be too damn lazy. I wouldn't want to wait. I'm like, fuck it. It's like they had that subway up on, on the New World Trade Center site on like the 80th floor or whatever. There's a subway on the 80th floor. Yeah, they, they have they have a subway inside a fucking shipping container. Oh, you mean a rest a subway restaurant? Yeah, subway okay. restaurant. Okay. Right. Do you understand <laughs> how confusing when I'm asking about? It sounded crazy. <laughs> the fucking monos ripped my brain out of my fucking head. Fuck! You seriously are nuts. <laughs> and if Fez could fucking understand what was happening, he'd be in on this laughing. <laughs> See, this is your chance to put the boots to a fucking innocent person, Fez. All right, Fezzy. You're a guy who knows fear like no one else. Absolutely. You go down in the fucking mines like those South Americans. And I'll open it up, too. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Do you go down in that mine shaft every fucking day, knowing that sooner or later trouble's on its way? Or do you work up top, high as you can, and that's your life? I go down in the mines every single day, rather than up high. I, I couldn't do the elevator ride up. 
Well, can, it, that's easy because it's in like, like a couple of screen doors, yeah. and you're just holding on, watching the city disappear below you. It's Mesh. basically guy. You're in a bucket, and guys are pulling you up by a rope. There's the picture, the famous uh, Empire State Building picture, where those guys are all sitting together, <laughs> I guess, to talk. Yeah, you know. <laughs> See, how was going on your side of the building today? <laughs> what if you're the guy on the outside end of the girder and you forgot your drink? And you know one of them just going like this, Wiki is such a dick. Uh, seriously, this thing could be going so much better. You need an OT this week? There's no harness. Jesus. No, no there's nothing. No. Mm -mm. Those guys just walk around. They're wild men. And yet, but here's the thing that would weird me out. What if like a bird just went by while you were sitting there? That's that would really give you a fucking feeling of fight. And then imagine you're the bird, and you're like, what are these fuckers doing? <laughs> are humans this. flying? <laughs> humans are making nests. You'd probably fall off because you'd do the thing when like a bug comes around. You'd like, oh, wave yeah, your hands. Yeah, you would <laughs> fuck. If a mosquito was in your face, forget about it. Um, Eric in Virginia, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie. I used to be a scaffold builder, and like you said, eating lunch on the ground was like a blessing. That hard set... The scaffold moves around in the wind a little bit, and, and you're you're jumping around up there like a monkey. Getting uh, getting lunch at Burger King was was always a blessing. Did you ever get used to it being up on a scaffold? Oh, absolutely. I uh, business probably six years, and by the end, you just you don't even you don't even consider what's below you or, or the, fit, the the fact that you could die at any second. It just uh, that blows my mind that you can eventually just get used to it. You know, and, just, I'm, and I'm just a, a regular beach kid. I, it's something that my father was in. So, uh, you know, I had a future ahead of me. Some of those guys kind of live for that business. And, and I uh, I ended up getting out of it. But I, I got confident up there, and, and I was good at what I did. All right. That's really that's interesting to know, because I would, had no idea that you would eventually get used to it. Like, I would think some people were, are just born with it. They can pull it off. Uh, and some people will just never get used to it. I'm sure some guys are just nervous wrecks constantly yeah. thinking, oh, Jesus, one wrong step, it's over. Well, what do you do on a windy day? You keep working. Yeah. You just keep working. They're not going to give you a day off for wind because there must be wind up there just most days. Um, Steven, you're on running fuzz. Hey, what's up, buddy? Definitely uh, down low for me, man. I got no balance as it is. I would fall off that fucking thing the first day. Put me in the ground. All right, so you would go down low no matter what. Just oh, no, like yeah, Fezzi. absolutely. Put me in a tunnel, let me dig some shit out. I ain't fucking standing on those steel girders 40 stories up. That ain't happening. All right. Uh, it's a good question. A good question. Here we go. Is it better to work up high? 40, 50, 60 fucking stories in the air? Or down low? In mines. You gotta be in the air. You have actually have air. In the mines, I feel like you'd be so suffocating. I just think in the mines, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you don't even have a fighting chance here. You know, when that thing starts to go, the earth is above you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're inside the it planet. Does, you're a fucking ant right now. <laughs> uh, but, Fez, you're leading this, I believe, with going into the mines. And not only that, you're breathing in that shit air. And, you know, even if you never end up uh, in some kind of, uh, you know, fucking pile, that's, that thing still kills you. That, that mine still kills you. Mine long. Uh, Barry, a uh, good question here. Up high or down low? Uh, I'd pick up high just because the death would be probably more bearable if you were up high. You fall 
down off a skyscraper, you're dead instantly. If you're down in a mine and it collapses, it could take days or weeks. Yeah, I get that, but the fall is going to feel pretty fucking long. Now, I jumped off this uh, reservoir thing one time. I don't know how high it was. Maybe only like 20, 25 feet tops. You know, a bunch of kids, we go out to this fucking reservoir. You're not allowed to be there. We jump the fence. We go out to the dam. We jump off of it. It felt like forever. (laughs) And the, you know, the thing was just moving. Like, you can't really focus. Everything's going like that. I'm like, how fucking long am I going to be falling? This is ridiculous. I make a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like the dumbest fucking idea ever. See, the fall is going to be all terror. Yes. Now I don't know if you're thinking that well, though. Like, you're thinking you're going to be thinking like you're thinking now. Right, like, I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling. Yeah, I think it, that the, the, the rushing of that just kind of overwhelms you, and you think almost nothing. Yeah, because when you jump into something, you don't know how far you're going to go. Your immediate thought is confusion. You're just like, why am I not hitting I'll ground? tell you what I would do, though. I would act like I was rowing a boat, just in case anyone else... Presence. Uh, yeah, ever watched Wizard of Oz? They're like, that fucking dude is doing a Wizard of Oz bit. Always okay. Um, let's go over here for a good question. Adam in Mass, you're on Fez. Hey guys, I'm gonna say down low. I mean, you're up top, you you miss your foot, you're dead one way or the other. You're stuck down low, you could be trapped down there, eat the fat guy for a week. Yeah, I don't know if I want while. that though. I don't want to be the guy who, you know, hey, we can't get out. Oh. That's fucked up. I, that's, or you get I'd be smashing my head against coal, just trying to kill myself. Yeah, there's got to be some sharp coal down there. You just slit your throat. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of sharp coal. Um, on this good question, Fezzy, it's like we're going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Bill, you're on my Fez. Hey, Ronnie. When I lived in Florida, I used to paint all those billboards along uh, I-75 and on the turnpike. And those things would lean out at the top. So when you're hanging from that stage, the closer to the bottom of the sign you got, you'd be hanging out in midair just swinging out there when that wind would catch you. So I'd have to stay up high. Uh, you're going up high. Oh, uh, yeah. John, you're on fest. I was a tree climber for 14 years, hanging from a rope using a chainsaw, and eating the lunch up in the tree is after you eat your lunch, you don't want to drag your ass back up there, so it's more comfortable to just stay up there and finish what you got to do. What if you got to piss, John? Yeah, piss in a bottle and throw it off to the side. You have someone tie it on your rope. All right, that's nice piss jugs. All right. I, I get like the that. point. I don't want to fucking climb back up before them getting that. Yeah. But what I really don't want to be is up high. I think I want to take my lunch break and quit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming back. I like realized. I did most of the jobs I had when I was a kid. You know what? I thought carrying block would be a good idea, but I, I ain't a fucking meal boys. Do yourselves a favor. Don't pay me for the 45 minutes I just gave you. <laughs> Consider that a gift. What about the dropping of the piss bombs off the top of the tree? Why even bother? Why don't you just piss off the fucking tree? Yeah. Uh, ben, up high or down low? It's a good question. Ben, go ahead, buddy. What's up, guys? Um, I think I honestly would rather be down low because you kind of feel like you're inside, maybe. You just feel like you're working in the basement. But I'd much rather do either of those than be a deadliest catch guy in the winter. All right, well, that's the fucking third thing. That's a whole different deal. And who wouldn't want to be Deadly's Cash? That looks fantastic. Fuck yeah, Crab Fisherman. Love that fucking show. 
where no one ever sits around and admires minors, God bless them. <laughs> There's no minor and reality. I remember there was a thing like Mickey Mantle. There was when I read the Mickey Mantle book when I was a kid, and his father was like an old man with the lung disease thing and all. Yeah, and he was only like forty-one, oh, and he was just fucking. The minds had killed him, so Mick had to know if I don't fucking play and hit, that's my future. Yeah, that's all I have going for me in this yeah. town. Look at that. It was fucking it's, horrifying. It looks fucked up. I put a picture of this guy just shoveling coal. I don't like either. Uh, TJ, Colorado, you're on my face. Hey, buddy. It's definitely up high. The only bad part about it is, is wintertime. Whenever the uh, wind is whipping, the snow is hitting you, the rain is hitting you, there's no hiding from it. But definitely up high over low, because either way, you make a wrong step, you're yeah. dead one way or the other. TJ, how high were you working? I used to do the, uh, the antennas, the uh, power antennas, and the radio antennas, so <clears throat> easily six, 700 feet. Wow, that's fucked up, man. And those things would sway at a good 10 foot. You get up high enough, I mean, you're, it's, the whole thing sways. Holy shit. And were you, were you out there by yourself? Uh, usually two-man teams to go up, and then, uh, yeah, that's nothing better than, and we just pissed off the side. Forget that bottle crap. I, I, bottle. Yeah, I've never worked at a radio station where the engineer didn't invite me out there and say, come on up, you got to see it. The view's yeah. amazing. You can see what we do, what it takes to keep you guys on the air. And every time I'm like, dude, I'm not fucking driving 100 miles. To fucking just say to you, I ain't going up there. Because that's what it's going to be at the end of the day. Check it out, though. Seriously, come on. Don't make a day of it. So then you'll have a big funny story how the morning guy wouldn't fucking climb the tower. <laughs> ain't gonna happen. Um, let's go out here to uh, Tony. Tony, you're on my fist. Yeah, Ronnie B., I think you might agree. I'm going to have to go with the numbers. Go with the odds. I'm going to stay away from the occupation with the higher death rate. Well, have you, have you figured it out? Um, the the people in the uh, caves, they they die less. Flying Rolandas. Uh, again, you're looking at it like the only bad thing that can happen is that coming down on you. But all those guys end up with that fucking mine lung. Yeah, you're fucking got goddamn coal in your goddamn chest. All these poor Asian miners. Goddamn coal in your goddamn chest. And, and then it's over. Then you're Mickey Mouse's dad. Those are Asian fucking miners? Yeah. At least they're short enough not to hit their heads all day. I get it. Asian miner. Yeah. It's good, right? I love it. Thanks. You like wordplay. That's your thing. Yes. Are you holding on to that desk like we're up high? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it feels like this building's either going to sway or cave in. Every day's a rough day for our Watley boy. Yeah. Every day's a rough day. Uh, Bob, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, I'd rather be up high because uh, you feel the wind and stuff. But I was going to ask Faz, he don't want to ride the elevator up. How does he think he's going to get down that mine? you got to ride the elevator down to get in the mine. Yeah, that really is like being on a high elevator that you're riding down there or that runaway fucking train thing that they do. They do both. Okay, yeah, I thought you just went on, you you rode down in like the mining car. Yeah, but the mining car is like being on a fucking roller coaster in the dark. Oh, I hate that. Here's the minor elevator. That See how they have those elevators set up, too, yeah. <laughs> it's covered in cold juice. There was a thing on the uh, CBS Sunday morning show of guys that have bought old nuke fucking silos and are living in them. And you can get them really cheap. Yeah. But you're fucking living underground. These guys had families and shit. And believe me, 
nothing they did brought a sense of warmth. They tried all these, you know, <laughs> throw pillows, and you just, it just felt. I think it would be fun, though, to live in a nuke silo. You know what? Go to a B&B there first before you fucking buy. Okay, I'll take a look. Because I don't know if you're going to like it. Like that uh, 70s like, look. You don't run into a lot of like ex-military guys going, you know what? I was in the silo for two years and I loved it. It was the greatest fucking time. You're like those idiots on Lost playing the same fucking record over and over. Yeah, I'll set up a nice old computer and just type the same numbers in over and over what again. What was that fucking song on Lost? It was like, uh, it was like a spanking our gang? Jesus, what the, I... Um... Let's go over to uh, Chris. It's a good question. Working up high or down low? Run a fez. I would have to say up high because I don't do good with claustrophobia. Yeah, I don't do good with either, to tell you the truth. I mean, the claustrophobia thing can fucking get to you quick, but, you know, being up high... I mean, being like those guys that see the city down below you when you're outside. I mean, the only thing here that makes it comfortable is that we have glass. Mm -hmm. Take that tiny piece of glass away, and it, you're like, this place is lunacy. There's a reason that you can't open up the windows up here. We will be sucked out. I don't know if that's even true. A hundred percent true. All right, there you have it. Then we the should numbers have those just came in. Mass that drop from the ceiling in every room, like what? on a plane. Why do you leave your house without an oxygen mask? You should. You should fucking put on scuba gear and just go out into the city. Uh, this is actually about a fitty fitty. We probably should have set up a good question poll, uh, but people are divided. Divided. All right, uh, let's put this up on 202 Friends 2 Hicks. I want to get that picture from uh, Hollywood, which is uh, just one of the amazing stories. You haven't seen this, Fez? I have not seen it. Good. I want you to watch it in real time. I want you to be able to pull it off in real time. Uh, let me know when you got it up, Chris. Uh, Kyle, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Um, I would definitely want to be down low. There's a there's a video you can check out on uh, YouTube of a guy that climbs a 1,800-foot tower, uh, first person. And that shit, that's fucking crazy. I just I couldn't handle it. I mean, my palms sweat just watching the video. Uh, Carla Finch said that there's a show on Spike TV called Coal about miner and mining. It's just amazing what it takes to get on TV now. Just uh, uh, a regular thing. Yeah, just have a job. Just have a regular job, and you're going to end up on TV. Well, now contractors have fucking reality shows now. I watched one, King of Dirt. It's on the Do It Yourself Network. Wasn't that a police song? I think so. No, King Pain. Um, did you get it up there, Hicks? And um, I'm told it was a Mama Cass song. A Mama Cass song. Make your own kind of music. Make your own kind of music. You're just sitting there and hit that fucking thing Ugh. over and over. Right on that stupid treadmill. Drinking that weird scotch. All right, so let's put this up. You go to 202 Friends to watch this. This is a horrible uh, car accident that took place in Hollywood. You want to put it up for a six? Yeah. This is so slow. Running like shit? I don't want it to run like shit, but it does. Do me a favor. <coughs> leave a note for Mars to have this run even worse. <laughs> that way he'll fix it. It just does the opposite. So you can see that you've got a motorcycle on fire, and you've got the front of the car on fire that hit it. Now go ahead and start it, Hicks. 
Get them out of the car. What you don't know is the guy from the motorcycle is laying underneath. Now, here are these people trying to get him out. They're coming over, but he's underneath of a car. I don't know where the driver is. Now people are trying to lift the car. Just passerbys. All these people, this car could explode in their face. And they're trying to lift a, I don't know, 1,500-pound fucking car? Easily. Uh, here they are, women, kids. And the front of it's on fire, so they can't touch it. They can't touch the front. They're going to burn themselves. They've lifted the car. Uh, Just regular people. No Spider-Man. No fucking Superman. Another guy's reaching under and dragging the victim out. And you can see, I mean, he's just totally not moving. These people are incredible. Amazing. Uh, just more and more people coming out of nowhere. Just when you act like, and there wasn't that many that lifted. It was like 10 or 12. But they all went in, and like I said, the front of the car is on fire. These are just regular folks. Now here the cops are showing up, putting out the fucking fire. Thanks for showing up, fellas. <laughs> what um, were they fucking two minutes ago? <laughs> they were watching. But it's an amazing thing. Just when you say people are shit, here are uh, about a fucking dozen people who risk their lives to save a fucking stranger. It's amazing shit. It really is. That is fantastic. And in such a frantic situation, they... Frantic city. They got their act together so quick so that... They, they didn't think. They, they didn't did it once and had someone ready to pull. They didn't think... They just went in there and did the job. Fear strikes out in Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. And I am now giving you the First Responders Award. I'm handing out to these people. Carry it well, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Carry it well, because you deserve it. You guys should feel good about yourself. Uh, but that video is up on 202 Friends, which I can't believe we still have that stupid name. I know the old channel is crazy. What's our new channel? 206. Fez came up with the name 206 Friends. But I feel like that's just taking us into the same... Uh, oh, it's Utah, not Hollywood. Utah. Look like Utah. Did you say it looked like Utah? Oh, it says Utah underneath it. Okay, good. I, I thought that was for Johnny Utah in Hollywood, <laughs> where he should still be a big, big star. Yeah, really. Could have been huge. Uh, Steve, Rochester, you're on a fez. Ron, I understand that those guys saved that uh, the motorcycle's life, but did any of them return a lost cell phone? Oh, you're going back to where I found it my own first responders. How I found a cell phone in a cab and returned it to its rightful owner. And turned down his $20. My God. With a simple, fuck you, it's what I do. And then he tried to say, here, please take it. I go, hey, what did I say? Fuck you. And that made me feel good. I don't know what the fuck you were, really? I also said to him, someday I'm going to call upon you. And you're going to have to do something for me. And later that guy was arrested for smuggling heroin. Is that what you asked him to do, or maybe? Was what are you trying song? to do? Get me to fucking indict myself? No, I just just. You think I've never been in questioning before? I don't know how you fucking skate a circle around me. I'm just, I'm just curious. That's yeah, all. Yeah, are I, you? I, I, you fucking bike curious, aren't you, Mono? No, 
I may have mono, but I am not interested in men. What did your doctor say to you? <laughs> um, inconclusive. I have to wait a week to fucking get the goddamn blood test back. What? Yeah, the guy wasn't very good. But I did learn a lot of serious people go to that doctor. He said, oh, you work serious. Well, what other names you got? Yeah, I was trying to say Mad Dog? <laughs> yeah, who else is coming in here, This doc? doctor's not allowed to be sitting around saying who his other patients are. <laughs> in all cases of mono... He wouldn't tell me. I was trying to get out of him. There's a hero. Um, Mark, Chicago, you're on my face. Hey, guys. Uh, the best part of the video is just the guy standing there in the suit. He does nothing. There's women helping and stuff. And what a pussy. That's, well, he didn't want to fuck up his suit. He just came from Men's Warehouse. There's a woman inches away from fire, a middle-aged woman, Trying to lift this car. She's closest to the fire. I yeah. one. She's amazing. Utah, these Mormons might be onto something. Broadway is correct when it comes to the Mormons. They're the best. Now, you saw the, the Mormon musical, oh, right? Oh, the Mormon, yes. Loved it. There's already word that this is going to become a TV show. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. I keep making mistakes today. Movie. Oh, I, yeah. All right. I can see that. Producers. Hopefully starring marionettes. I hope they do nothing but make marionette. That'd movies. be cool. I'd love it. I am fucking proud of these people, Utah. Amazing. Makes you feel good about the human race again. It does. This guy, oh, this couple got in a backpack. He's got a polo. Everybody shirt. but the guy in the fucking suit. He's like, here we can't do anything. We can't save him. Oh, now I can't even get to the car, so I'm just gonna. But he was first to back away too. See, everybody needed to back away in case it exploded. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Well, there's suit guy. Comes back into the shot. <laughs> Those people should all be taken to the nearest football game, flown a thousand miles away to the nearest football game, <laughs> where they get to walk out with a giant fucking flag. That would be awesome. And if I was the announcer, I'd say, these people do shit that none of you drunken fucking assholes would ever even think of. They don't just face paint and scream. They get involved. So keep drinking, drunks. This makes me want to light a fucking car on fire, fucking lock a baby in there, and then bust it out. That would be sick. We got to go steal a car now. You know, and my dream baby. was always to catch a baby being thrown from a building, and then they did that this year on Curb. I know. Buckner. God yeah. bless Buckner. Now, J.B. Smoove, who's got a brand new website, ruckus.com. Get on the ruckus. Um... <laughs> He said Larry David is a pussy magnet, and that is reflected in the show this year. Yeah. Uh, somebody else wrote to me, and I, I wish I could say the person's name because I like the analysis. They said this year it seemed like Larry went from being George Costanza to Jerry Seinfeld. He's now wow. confident, Larry. Yeah. Everything, you know, he's involved in stuff. He's very, very good with women. He's beating it up. Yeah. Where before, women were somewhat of a mystery to him. Even right. sex with his own wife. Very awkward. Was not nice. Now, he's juicing up and he's going for it. Which takes me, if this is true, he was lying in his 60s, is the appeal money or the confidence that money gets, gives? That's the next good question. Fez, is it money? No. Hicks. Yeah, it's the cash. It's the cash. Zeets. I think you get confidence from money. But here's the deal. And this actually 
this goes to show how much the world has changed. We have a TV show with a 61-year-old guy, I think he's 61, who gets fucked on the regs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's a given. You would only have to go back 20, 25 years to the thing of the... He would be playing the old man of the show, talking crazy, yeah, he's you 60, know? He's 64. All right, 64 years old, and he gets laid on the regs, and no one's saying, oh, this would never happen. This is how sexuality has changed in this country. He can live a life of a dude going out, meeting chicks, having fun, doing things, where if this was 25 years ago, the show would be about two other people, and they would yell at him to go back into his room. I mean, did you see that broad, uh, the uh, broad, the Palestinian broad, that episode when he's eating the chicken? She was just fucking going at it. Yeah, she was amazing. Fucking shit, Larry. Larry got a lot of women this year. Good. Get that Cheryl out of your system. All right, somebody said, I think the suit guy was the driver of the car. He was in shock, I bet. Even in shock, you got to scramble over there if women are lifting a car, yeah. a burning car, and it's fucking yours. Yeah, it's your fucking car, dude. Come on. you got to fucking help lift. I mean, at least fake that you're lifting and just go along with it like most of us would do if we're uh, in the middle of that coffin when you're carrying a coffin for people. Yeah. Always go for the middle. Guys, Much less strain. When you're in the corner, you're like, what the fuck? How much is this way? Jesus. In the middle, you're like, this isn't so bad. Stay off the corners. I thought they bombed the guy. They took stuff out of him, not put stuff in. Jesus. So, Fez, what is it about Larry David that makes him so appealing to women, if uh, it's not money? No, it is his confidence. He feels like he's on top of the world, and that is shining through. He's achieved so many great things, two hit TV series. Um, getting a woman feels like just uh, is another accomplishment. All right, now you're an accomplished guy. How come you're a nervous dater? Oh, because I I don't I don't have the confidence there. But why not? You've done everything that Mr. Larry David has on on a radio level. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you happy with yourself? Um, I just I haven't gotten comfortable with my appearance ever. That's an excuse because you can't act like you're uh, a worse looking person. Than Larry David. No, I, I think I'm better looking than Larry David, but he's Ouch. comfortable with Ouch. it. Whoa. Whoa. Where did that come from? Damn. Maybe there's a little confidence dripping through. Dripping. Oh. <laughs> what is your problem with yourself? Well, I think that um, that I'm a little too heavy. I'm a little too hairy. No, no. Bad and, skin. See, the thing is... That isn't anything that that matters to the other sex. Now, men, on the other hand, will say, oh, she's a little too heavy. She's a little too hairy. She has bad skin, and they're out of there. But women are a more evolved species. Don't look past it. They are a gender that doesn't need that. They're looking for something. They're looking for good people to be with. Now, I'm not talking about 18-year-old women. Don't get me fucking wrong there. Because Zeitz is fucking shaking his head back and forth. You're disagreeing. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just thinking more. I was thinking, like, I don't understand how women could ever be like that. Because myself, I'm just like, like I'm out of there. The, the smallest, like you said, like the smallest little L thing. Let me give you this, Zito. You're tough on women. If you met a woman who looked like you. Oh, oof, no. 
You couldn't be with her. No, fuck no, no. It would just so be you consider un- yourself unfuckable. Well, there there will be certain days when I'll look in the mirror and just be like, I don't know how anyone's ever hooked up with me, but that's great that they have. Like I feel like I'm pulling one over. On Let's somebody. get back to this though. You looking at yourself, seeing yourself as unfuckable. Not unfuckable, but I do wish I was better looking. Yes, I I, I don't think I'm the most attractive man. I don't think it plays into it. Plus the mono. Well, yeah, the mono. That's really holding me back. I mean, you lick a fucking urinal like that, and you get mono. Getting that piss taste in your mouth you love so much. I didn't know that. Didn't do that. Yeah, he would would drink piss cocktails every day if he could. You're a fucking yellow boy, then. No, I don't like piss and shit. No, I didn't say anything about shit. Well, I just assumed it was the next natural step. No. All right. This is... uh, did anyone, any of you guys see the Bill Cunningham documentary? It's pretty seen. fucking amazing. Um, and this is about a guy who, he's an older guy, lives here in New York City. He only lives for his work. He's a very well-known fashion photographer, works for the New York Times. Anywhere that he shows up in the world, he is on the front of any kind of runway stuff. When he's taking pictures... All the other photographers get out of his way. They move him up front. He's the best. He's an older guy. Doesn't give a shit where he lives. Wears the same clothes every day. His apartment is just fucking piled up with old pictures. Rides around town on a fucking uh, bicycle. Uh, eats the cheapest places he can. Doesn't care about anything but his work. Right? Yeah. Badass. And is more or less uh, asexual. Uh, someone wrote to me that when they saw this, they thought of Fez because that is like the choices that Fez made, but somehow Fez, after he started therapy, got punished by saying, you know, hey, you're lonely. Where this guy could be considered lonely, he just doesn't focus on that. He focuses on what really gives him uh, pleasure. So it says, they said about Fez, he liberated himself by deciding to stick with his religion and find his happiness in a career with, uh, about a life that he loves rather than dithering on the other issue. It's not a solution for everyone, but Fez probably doesn't really need or want, for that matter, a relationship, uh, any more than Bill Cunningham. Um, Fez assisting that he does seems like he wants to do this because he wants to set himself up for unhappiness and joylessness and paralyzing internal conflict rather than picking a course of action which would free him to appreciate life. So basically I said you should send this to Fez. They said why would I bother? I'm sending it to you. But Fez all those things about paralyzing self-doubt blah 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 you you never had any of that until the shrink told you you're lonely and you want to be in a relationship. Um, I think I've always... No. I've known you for a long time. You were the happiest guy at any party. You were the party maker. Wow. And it didn't matter what kind of party. If my kids had a birthday party, Fez would show up uninvited. Uh, come in, be real funny in front of the kids. They'd be chasing them around. Every and now, it's a fucking adult party. Fez would show up solo, invent games, silliness, funny dances. Everybody would laugh. Everybody would love him. But at a certain point, when you decided that 
the shrink said that you were lonely, A, and you had a secret B, that's when this self-doubt and hard on yourself start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, there was a, yes, because there was a time when the self-confidence just went completely away. I'm telling you when. What would be wrong with the Bill Cunningham thing? You start riding around on a bike, wearing a blue windbreaker, taking pictures of people. By the way, this movie, I think is going to appeal to every woman because there's fashion into it, but it would appeal to a lot of men if you just focus on the work that the guy does and the pleasure that he gets from his work because he doesn't care for money. Like, money comes and he goes and give a shit. Yeah. He wants the best pictures in the best spot. And he's a very peculiar guy. But he's kind of, a, I think, a role model for guys working. It sounds Oddly amazing. enough. It sounds amazing. It's, it's been a year of great documentaries. And this one could be the best. I mean, if I was to pick a top five list of documentaries, and it would be tough to do this year. You wouldn't be able to run an envelope between any of the five things. You know, I mean, any of them could could be considered the number one. Uh, but at that point, Fezzi, that you did that, you stopped liking your private life and you stopped liking your work life. Yeah, and the nerves just took over every bit of it. Right, well, you know all that. But what changes could you make? Would you consider the Bill Cunningham way? I would consider that. You've worn the same clothes for weeks at times before. Nobody noticed. No one noticed. That's right. And that blue windbreaker looks comfortable. And riding a bike all around town. He's had 19 bikes stolen. He actually oh. used to live at Carnegie Hall. He had a fucking a, a little place in Carnegie Hall for artists, right? Uh, then they wanted to use that space. They gave him this beautiful apartment on Central Park South. Awesome he didn't even want it. Didn't want the kitchen. He's like, oh, God, this is too big. What am I supposed to do? Because he spends all of his time on the street taking pictures. So he when he's not, he just, yeah, he just doesn't care about anything but doing really great work. He actually took the kitchen out. And he just wanders around and he'll just take pictures of women and say, this is where shoes are at right now. Fuck. And, he, you know, he has no sense of fashion and style about himself because he doesn't consider himself. Yeah, he just cares about what he's doing. That's Which is like a great, kind of a zen-like way to live life, you know? Like if you pay attention to what's outside of you, you don't have enough time to worry. Now, Fez never sees what's happened on the outside of him. No. Or goes, or even the fact that Fez is struggling with his Yahoo News. He doesn't do it any differently. He's still set up in the same format that didn't work the day before. He doesn't experiment with his work because I think he's too fucking fixed inside. So this thing could... It's of interest to me. But I do think, Fez, you get two solutions. You either go towards the Bill Cunningham thing or make a point of being a dating guy and finding somebody, but you don't do that either. No, I don't. No, I get... Yeah, it's, I get so nervous about it, and it just takes forever before I can talk to somebody. But then the other solution is, if you just said, I'm not going to even concern myself with that, and I'm going to focus outside myself, you would push that away. I mean, a lot of times we're nervous about doing stuff because we don't want to do it. That's what's going to fucking Like we were talking about working something. in the mines. Yeah. I could try as many fucking things in a row. 
as I could to work in the mines and never be good at it, never be comfortable with it. It would make much more sense if I thought, hey, what's a new radio show I can come up with? <laughs> that makes all the fucking yeah. sense in the world. And then I would, I never go through my life worrying about being in the mines. I just don't do it. Ugh. Well, you could say, well, you're missing it, dude. You're seeing that coal or just, just whatever. Pickaxe. Yeah, I'm not going to live every life. Uh, Mike, you're on Fez. Hey, uh, Fez. Yes. You said, you said you're fat and hairy. That's what the astronauts call a bear. Why don't you take that angle? It was very interesting that you say that. I, I had a friend who was uh, overweight. And she was bitching to me. I can't find anyone because I'm overweight. And I said to her, I go, you know what? There's a lot of dating sites that are into that, mm -hmm. right? And you know what she said to me, Hicks? What's that? Oh. What? She thought that those guys were freaks <laughs> because they were attracted to women like her. So she's seeing that as a fetish, but we don't see guys who like tits and ass as a fetish. No. It's... It probably is. I mean, if you look at it, it's probably just the number one fetish. <laughs> You know? The most wide-ranging. Yeah. But isn't it weird to think... Now, Fez, you're not interested in anybody who's interested in a bear. Right, yeah. That would be a turn-off to you if they said, I dig you, you're a bear. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, because it's... First of all, it would seem like it would be another bear saying it. Which, I don't... A bear shouldn't fucking date a mule. Uh. That wouldn't make sense. The point is this. Why wouldn't you like the people who like people like you? Why wouldn't that be the easiest fucking route? Yeah, it's a layup. Again, there, here's the reason why. You don't want a layup. You want a bitch. That's why. That's the thing. That uncomfortable for Fez might be the most comfortable thing in the world. Oh, boy. Wow, I, I can't look at Look, first of all, you go to sites like that, and then somebody here at work goes, um, look at the sites they went to at 1201. I, I, all right, I'll get, I'll get off this. Maybe I'll erase the history as well. That's why our computer runs slow. I'm sure it does, because the amount of porn sites that go through here. Right, I'll put this back now, up. Poor Scarlett Johansson, they fucking tracked her down. You don't think they're going to track you down? Oh, no, it can't happen. I can't even imagine the tube sites that you're at. Ujiz.com. <laughs> Self-explanatory. Uh, Mikey, you're in my fuzz. Hi, it's Mickey. Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Fezzy, you're so fine. Your problem is you're starting out thinking, I can't, I don't know how to get in a relationship. You have to first start doing the socialization. You live in New York fucking city, the best city in the world, and you have the financial means to go out in the evening and attend charity events and functions and meet people and... The Advice Show. And you nothing. But that, here's the thing. He could be missing an old Andy Griffith show. That he's seen a hundred times. That's the reason why, and he knows it. And if he wants to find the reason why he's not doing it, get a new fucking doctor. Whatever happened? Well, you've been saying for uh, like six months you're going to get a new doctor, Fez. 
You never have. You haven't made any big changes. You're still doing the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're still unhappy every day. Most of the days we ignore. We're just like, all right, just sit over there. But you, it's got to bug you a little bit. Uh, yeah, it bugs me a lot. And I tried to find a new doctor who didn't return phone calls. And it really terrifies me to try to find that new person. Oh. And when I don't... What terrifies you? The whole... I don't... Ever since that one woman said that she couldn't help me and set me on my way, then it just feels like it's it's too much to throw out there again. Right, but suppose like you were having breathing problems and you went to a podiatrist. The podiatrist says, I can't help you. I'm a podiatrist. You wouldn't get upset with that, right? No. Not every fucking shrink works on the same kind of shrink thing. Right, yeah. Here, I'll play the part of the shrink like you just called me, okay? Uh Uh-huh. Hello? Hi, my name is Fez. Speak in a man's voice, please. My name is Fez. Mm. That's one effeminate man. And I'm looking for a new uh, psychiatrist. Well, I am a psychiatrist. What exactly is wrong here, Fez? Uh, A lot of uh, anxiety. About what? Everything. I'm just anxious all the time. I'm freezing up at work. Having a lot Do you of, know what causes this anxiety? Uh, I just, no, I just get really, really nervous. So it's for no reason. There's no reason there's any anxiety. Well, I... How's your home life? Well, I live by myself. So you're comfortable there? No, I'm not comfortable at home, too, and I have depression as well. Oh, tr- depression and anxiety? Uh-huh. I'm going to ask you to come by here, and I'm going to have some of my assistants throw a net over you, and we're going to drag you away and sh- shoot darts into you. All right, that doesn't seem like... See, that makes me more anxious, doctor. Okay, so you don't like the truth. Uh, Why don't you come on over here, and I'm going to give you a pie. You'll eat the whole pie, and you'll feel better. Get the nets ready uh, and darts. Sounds like a big one. I heard nets and darts. No, that wasn't about you. And big one. Mm, That wasn't about you. We're going out later, hunting whale. Thank you for your time. I'm tracing this call, and we are going to get you. See, that's kind of frightening. Is dating just off the uh, off the table? No, I don't. I don't want it to be off the table. Even though I haven't done it, I don't want it to be. You've off never the done table. it in your life, right? No, never dated. Is skiing off the table? Skiing is off the table. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Why not put fucking dating where skiing is? <laughs> they both terrify you. One bothers you every day that you're not doing it, and the other one you don't give a shit. You made it this far without dating. Why is dating so important to you? Because I don't... uh, Well, with skiing, I don't see where that's going to take anxiety away. I think being with another person that I'm in a relationship with could help that. So you want that other person to cure your anxiety? Oh, I'm putting a lot on this mystery person who I haven't even met yet. So the, your main purpose for finding, for dating, is finding this person, is because they are going to make you happy. Yes, I think being, yes, I think being with someone that I, and I think it's also going to take me out of my own head, which will make me happy as well. Where if, I, if my thoughts are on that other person that I'm in love with, mm-hmm. Then that will also help. 
Who told you that? Who came up with this? Your doctor? No, that's just basically from like advice show stuff where it's um, so the get out of your own mind. No, that's not what I'm saying. Did your doctor ever say to you when you find someone you were you're going to be happy? Uh, I'll say yes, basically. I don't know if they said to make you, you know, guarantee me happiness, but that. I'm Do you ever for ask someone. that bluntly to say, when I find somebody, will I be happy? Oh, I've had, yes, I've asked that. And they say yes? Um, they, they say that it's still up to me. But I think that's a, like a big part of it. Like, I, I feel like I need it. Right. But the point is this if you do find this person and you still have anxiety, what's that going to mean? That there's just zero hope. That there's. That it is nets and darts time. So the only hope in the world is that if you meet some fantastic person who makes you feel good, that's the hope. That, that is the hope, yes. And you've never done any other kind of cognitive work of how to lose anxiety. There's none of that kind of stuff. It's just, I've never heard anyone say to a depressed person, when you meet somebody... You're going to feel great. As a matter of fact, like in a lot of things like rehab stuff, they pay, tell people, work on yourself. Don't even date for a year because you're going anymore. to fuck up and put too much emphasis on that relationship and use the relationship as a drug. I can't fucking believe that these doctors don't tell you is that if you work on things that make yourself happier, then you're more likely to find another person who's going to be somebody to share life with. I've never heard the uh, the kind of stuff that you're going to find somebody out there and they're going to make you happy because you're going to be thinking about them all the time. Yeah, this, this isn't healthy at all. This is really unhealthy, actually. Um, Not that I'm a therapist. You are. In your own way, I mean, you have mono now. You got it from another man. Uh, it's possibly. You don't think you have mono. Well, the doctor was inconclusive, Zito. How could it be inconclusive? I don't know. This was the shady operation I went to. Who'd you go to, fucking Fez's doctor? <laughs> I can't imagine. If a doctor would say to you, I don't know whether you have mono or not. Don't they look said, at these numbers. They're confusing. What you fucking said? I was I just staring. Like, and look what he did to my fucking arm. Look at this black and blue. They couldn't find a fucking vein on me. Well, why did they shot you up in the wrong place? They fucking sh shot you up like your normal veins are fucking ruined. Yeah, they couldn't find it. So they're just fucking jammed my shit up. Hmm. Unbelievable. What a terrible experience yesterday was at the doctor. First all because of Zeno. Yeah, all because of fucking Zeno. I think it's for your own good. I Wait. think it's good you went to the doctor. You haven't been there in a while. Oh, shit. Fuck This you. is getting I'll fucking strong. I'll live my life any way I want. <laughs> and I need you to fucking judge my lifestyle. Fuck uh, off, Mono. Hold on. He's very ill. Maybe that's the good. fever talking. Maybe that's the fever talking. This is the Mono talking. All he did was put you in your fucking place Fuck and you got that. angry. My place is fucking right here. Go to hell. All right, easy. Easy. I feel um, faint. Uh, let's go over here to Alex, Jeremy Fez. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm hearing Fez. He's saying that he he has he wants somebody to love. He wants somebody to, to care for him. To, in other words, he's just he needs somebody to talk to. You know, you gotta first love yourself as as a person, as a human being, to understand that. Hey, listen, once you accept that yourself, you can love somebody else. You don't need a doctor. 
You don't need anybody to give you advice and, hey, listen, look, you got to do this this way, this way in order to be happy. What you have to do is just analyze, write the things down that you don't like about yourself, and then slowly... I write these things you don't like down about yourself. I'm trying to think of a perfect person for Fez, and I think ONA had them on the show this week. Uh, cool, incredibly sexy, likes to help others. Tyra Banks. Wow. She would be all over the advice and getting him back in shape. And the weird thing is, I know Fez's mom has said to the boys, never bring uh, a black girl home. But I'm sure in Fez's case, she'd put that to the side. Uh, Mikey, in Pittsburgh, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron, you're, you're spot on. Uh, any any relationship that Fez is going to have that he put, he's counting on somebody else to fix what's broken is always going to be doomed because that per, you could end up pulling both of them off a ledge, putting that much pressure on somebody. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, to me, I, I've just never uh, heard about it. I've never heard that that kind of working. Sounds like a, almost a blowing off. Like, yeah, yeah, that's going to... Either the therapist didn't say it or Fez is confused about what they said. But I would think that the therapist would say, let's work on you, get you feeling comfortable and good about yourself, then we'll find you a relationship. Yeah. Gotta work on you. You ever think about putting a Coke can down your crotch and just walking around like that, Fez? Walking around the bus station for a while? I honestly hadn't thought of that one. Eventually, you're going to disappoint the person. But for a few shining moments, you'll feel good about yourself. Some fucking bait right there. (laughs) Hmm. Now people writing in that Tyra has a penis. I don't believe that. Or we would have found out about that this week. There's another weird picture of Lady Gaga's weird well, I know. I don't know what she... It seems like she ties her, her lips off with a fucking string. Something like that. I don't know what she does. I think she's probably doing it on purpose. I guess she was now. born that way. <laughs> uh, Lar. Lar! You're on the Run and Fez show. Ronnie, I was just new doctor for Fez and Pepper. Jack Kevorkian. He even makes calls called... Well, he's passed away, so the joke no longer works. Yeah. Fez, you're still writing stuff you don't like about yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, I'm going to write down stuff I don't like about myself, too, so we each have a list. Um, very... Started on another page. Really? Come on. I wrote down mono. I wrote down Zito. <laughs> you guys hate each other. I, it's the same list. It's weird because you used to love Dave and Dave still loves you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wanted you and Zito to have that same kind of thing. Nope. Uh-uh. All right, I'm done my list. I never caught anything from Dave. That's true. Even though he did have that dick problem. <laughs> all right, You're all you, done? Yeah. You Are want you, mine? Yeah, I'm going to read yours out loud. My things Fez doesn't like about himself. Too anxious. Yeah, but you're anxious about being anxious, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm worried that I'm. I panic about having the next panic attack. All right. Freezes up. I think that's in there with anxious. Yeah. Vitiligo. 
You like this or don't like it? Don't like it. I would love that vitiligo. It's badass. It's unique. Limited interest. Socially awkward. Heavy set. Hairy. Sweatiness. Don't read books. Worry about smells and breath. Gullibleness. This would be perfect for your J date list. I'm gonna put I'm gonna make up a thing for you and put this down of what you're like. Alright, now I got my list too, which is I'm kind of even embarrassed to read it. Because I think this takes a lot of bravery for you. Oh, thank you. Alright, I put down things I don't like about myself. I work with Fez. And I don't know how to change it. And then I'm going to put, he's too anxious, he freezes up, he has cold. a vitiligo. It's supposed you to be can't even yourself. see your fucking vitiligo anymore since your beard turned white. Yeah. Oh, I have the half a mustache that's whiter than the other side. No one ever brings it up, do no they? No one notices that. No one ever sees I that. I see it. Uh, John so. Stewart's hair is all in patches and people fucking love it. Yeah. He's gray here, he's white here, Crazy. he's dark there. People are like, that's fucking great. Um, let's go over here to Jay. Shaolin, you're on my face. Jay. Jay, I'm going to hang up on you. Um, this person's name is Ilian? Dylan. Dylan, okay. I just wanted to know, I have anxiety and depression that I deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Let me put down this sandwich. Um, Sound fucking starving now. <clears throat> says, has anybody ever taught you what they call a grounding exercise or any kind of coping skill? Oh yes, I've I've gone all through that. What is your grounding exercise? It's um, focalizing. It's basically getting your feet on the ground, getting focused in the moment. Why don't you put your feet on the ground, and your head in the stars, and we'll count down the hits for you. Beautiful. Long distance Well, how come that doesn't work for you? It's I when I try to do it in a panic situation, I can't get the focus and the I can't put the focus in focalizing. I swear to God, all this time I thought you were saying vocalizing. I never thought you were saying focalizing. I thought, oh, he needs to speak more. So this list of things that you don't like is what you're going to take to your new person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're looking for a very attractive, grounded person who is looking for this in another person. They're going to have to be. Needle, haystack, jump. Is there like a magical feeling that you have about this person? You feel like it's fate? Oh. Are you like Fievel? Yeah, yeah, it's very magical uh, because it, like, it's all going to change in a heartbeat. It doesn't even take like getting to know the person. All right, here's what we're gonna do. This is the next thing we're gonna do. You're gonna call your Fez. You're gonna call me Ronnie B up, and tell me you met this person, how it happened, and what it means to you. So we'll just see what we're aiming for here. That's what we're gonna go for. It's very interesting. Can't wait. Hello, Ron. This is so weird. My phone didn't even ring. Oh, ding-a-ling-a-ling. Was that a weird cat outside? Ding-a-ling-a-ling. Yes. 
Hey, it's Fez. Hey, buddy. I know it's late, but you'll... It's 8.30. Well, you'll never guess what happened. I have met... You shit yourself? No, not this time. Oh, give me another chance. I'm so excited I may shit myself, though. Oh. Why, what happened? I have met someone. I have met the perfect person. I am head over You heels. are fucking kidding me. No. Where did, you, where did you meet this person? I met them in a bar. Also, I, I also thought a Bucks you, fan. They're a Bucks fan? Yes. Can you believe it? Uh, well, yeah, there are Bucks fans. So, and we just really hit it off. And uh, we're actually going to go away together next weekend. This soon? You yes, just this... met at a at a bar watching a Bucks game? Yes, and I am so excited. It's like I've known this person all my life. You know, where are you going? Oh, um, they have a place in the Poconos. Is it a grandmother that you met? No. Who has a place in the Poconos that is under 65? <laughs> You know who goes to the Poconos? Who's that? People without any other choice. So I'm just very, very excited. I am so happy. What does this person do for a living? They are, uh, they're, um... Hello, Fez? Yes. Sounds like you're locked up. Or something's wrong with my phone. What do they do for a living? A physician's assistant studying to be a doctor. (laughs) You're just fucking around now. Now we can't get it done because you're fucking around. You're trying to make Mono laugh. Are you really looking for a physician's assistant? No. Because you had one Dr. Steve. Mm-hmm. You were exp- at mountains. Yeah. I was a washboard salesman. Fares. <laughs> Fares. Where's, do we still have that clip? Yeah, I, I, I had that I, the entire segment. It was great. I should probably come back with that. Um... Hold on, let's hear John. John, you're on Fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah, it sounds like Fez is dating his dead dad. It really does sound like you want um, a parent who likes the Bucks. No, that would just be the common thing that got this whole crazy relationship started. Could you date a Steelers fan? Yes, I could. It would be tough, but I could. Would that mean that you would change to a Steelers fan yourself? They would be my AFC team. Um, this just said, I think Fez envisions an idea rom-com relationship. I don't think he could handle a real relationship without being completely miserable. Sa- sharing your space constantly, emotional demands, jealousies, all those things would be experienced by Fez ten times the normal level, and it would be a disaster. Do you agree with that, Fez? I am concerned about jealousy. I, I will have jealousy issues. Hmm. But I want to feel so much better about myself in this relationship that I get a lid on the jealousy and I don't let it ruin it. Well, what would you be jealous of? Uh, this person talking to, you know, um, previous dates, other people. That they're um, hanging out with. I would wonder if there was something more there. Well, there's going to be something more there. <laughs> you just found a Poconos. Yeah, Mount Airy Lodge, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> with the fucking... Champagne glass. Our cheap chicken. tubs. Yeah, they're not filled with fucking monojas. <laughs> um, 
let's go over here to um, Mickey. Mickey, you're on my face. Hi, Essie. Um, there's lots of reasons why I'm sure you need a new doctor, but one of them is, didn't I hear once that none of your doctors have ever listened to the show? Uh, Fez has never given them tapes, never... That's negligent, right, right off the bat. And here's the thing. Every doctor, I say, at one point I go, I would like to come in and meet the doctor too. And just give my point of view. Uh So we stop slowing down this process. Because I don't think, just like if you were a cop, right? I don't think you would just talk to one witness and that would be the end of it. I'm sure... years of the same stuff. Yeah. I think there's this, and for the first three years or four years, all they ever did was talk about Fez's dislike for his mom. Yeah. Every single time. And now that never comes up because his dad died and Fez has decided that his mom's the most wonderful person who ever lived. And notice that we never hear any anti-mom stuff on the show anymore? Nope, never. And that always had me in the back of my head and it never was about mom in the first place. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah, was just yeah, something yeah. to talk about to get away from the real stuff. And this is the first time we've drugged Fez into the show, and what would you say off the top of your... Uh, first time that Fez has been involved in a conversation this long? It's been uh, weeks, I'd say. What would you say, Zietz? I was going to say about two, three weeks. What was the last time that he was disinvolved in a conversation? Because the only time that he'll do it is if it's about yeah, these issues. It's been a while. I think it goes way back for the weeks. It's nice. Uh, it is nice. But, you know, I mean, we could fall into this every day, and we've done it before. We've done, you know. A vice show. A vice show after a vice, vice show, show after a vice show. A vice show. Um, Mike, you're on a Yeah, is this the advice show? Well, you play it. Sure, we'll do some. The advice show. I was just wondering if Fez ever had his testosterone levels checked. Dr. Steve tells him to do that. Have you ever looked at it, Fez? I had it done three times. You start juicing, get a couple cycles. What'd they say? That it's, it's, it's normal level. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with his testosterone, or else how would he have hair on his fucking shoulders? It's like checking Bigfoot's testosterone. Oh, Sasquatches. Uh, Mike, you're running Fez. Yeah, hey, Ronnie. You know, since Fez hates hearing advice or comments from anyone else, have you ever even walked him to a doctor's appointment, or has he given you any information to indicate that there is actually a doctor out there that he sees? Well, I will only tell you this. He was seeing a shrink in D.C., and he was taking a lot of pills, and that's when Fez started really like his feet would go everywhere doing the show his hands like his whole body was just jerking back and forth so i'm like dude i'm going with you to see this doctor and this was months into it and fez was just herking and jerking all over we go to this shitty fucking place the door opens i'm not fucking kidding you this fucking question mark comes out all bent over oh man and had to be 90 and was going like this and I'm like, dude, this is the fucking guy that you're taking pills from oh. and trying to explain? And he's like, I go, you're, oh. I like, you're like the fucking Crypt Keeper. 
That's crazy. And I immediately made him get another doctor. But he never goes me, will, will take me to any of the doctors that he talks out his fucking problems with. Because I don't know if he's in there going like this. I don't know what's going on. I'm the only one on the show fucking doing anything. There's other three guys who are dick bags. Oh. I don't think he wants uh, another viewer in there. I know I've been at, the, at a Hooters and we're in the built, same building as an old therapist of his. Yeah. Oh, I know he's saying a therapist. Yeah. I just don't know what they're fucking hearing. Okay. <laughs> Why don't we hidden mic him? Would you be willing to wear a hidden mic and put that on the air? Yes. Do you understand that that's illegal? <laughs> How long have you worked in radio? Well, if it would just be me. What, what, what's wrong with all of us fucking going in there and getting this fucking doctor and beating the shit out of him? I will throw fucking down, man. I'll, I'll cough on him. Fuck somebody else. Right that's, on that's, him. That's seriously, you're fucking, you're almost killing that person. You're going to take the next couple of days off? Yeah. Are you sleeping when you're not in here? Oh, yeah, all the time. That's all I do now. Because tomorrow, uh, John Mayer is bringing us free ice cream, yep. and that's going to be uh, a fucking... No. Oh, no. He's going to be playing live. Oh, are, are, is he going to let you make requests? Yeah, he's written a song about Syracuse he wants to fucking do. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Todd, you're on the Running Fez show. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, Fez, I wanted to... Um, I listened to you talk about the ideal of what you're looking for and how you think that that will make you happy. I've... 47, I've just now been in a couple weeks of therapy and was diagnosed with ADHD. And that is probably the result of why I have two failed marriages and just ended up having a failed fiancé that we were supposed to get married. Because from an intellectual standpoint, I'm completely on board. But from an emotional standpoint, I think I'm doing the same thing that you're saying. I'm looking for somebody to take care of me. And somebody before earlier said, you need to love yourself first. And I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting that. And I, I guess I had always looked for somebody to do their, to create that or make that completeness for me. Sorry, you need to play, probably play the advice show music now, but. Yeah, but this is I, for you. The advice show. Fez, I want you to write down a list of things you like about yourself. Oh, okay. Is that guy saying Fez needs Adderall? We all do. There's no one on the planet that doesn't have this ADHD because it's made up to sell pills. So many people are on Adderall from just little kids up. I might get on it. All right. We can get some scripts, I guess. I don't know if that would help, though. Got a really big test coming up. A lot of people do it for that. Basically speed. Really fucking weak speed. By the way, Lappy 5000 is just shit to bet on, man. It's fucking... It's just coming up to log in, and it never does. I despise the computer age. And I wish I fucking was born in a time there was nothing but covered wagons. It's the Winklevoss's fault. Winklevi. They're in a commercial for peanuts now. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It's fucking hideous. I don't like the real them. I like the movie them. Hey, give me the Army Hammer version. Army Hammer seems like a dick. And there's two of them. Uh, Jeff, you're on a fez. Hey, Fezzy, uh, this relationship you're looking to get into, is it just a sexual thing? Does sex play into this at all? Uh, yeah, sex plays into it, where I feel comfortable with this person... Enough to be intimate with them as well. 
Where, where all that comfortability comes in, and I can do that part, too. But up to this point, you're, you've never really craved it. No. No, I've, I've shied away from it. I mean, I've had, you know, where it's like, I would really like to do that, but it's never been like the driving force, where it's like, if I don't get laid tonight, I'm going to go insane. You've get, never had that thing that I have got to get laid. That's never come up. No. Got to get that nut off. No. No, not, not where, you know, where masturbation wouldn't handle it. Where it had to be, I, uh, I need to have sex. Hmm. So that's normally a driving force for dating. Like all the other stuff that you're talking about, most people will put up with just so they can have the sex. Yeah, that's that's the first fucking... I was like, let's, let's fuck. I gotta do this and let's fucking... You know, that's why most guys go like this. Yeah, I want to have kids too. <laughs> Love them. And what they're saying by that is, I don't want to go out and find another chick. It's too hard. Does your chick want to have uh, kids six? Uh not now, maybe later on, but see, I, I don't want anything to do with children. Fucking horrifying. I have a feeling that if there's a baby, you're going to be one of those rollover on top of them, dads. Oh, God. Oh, well. I wouldn't, would I get charged like fucking manslaughter or something? Where I was just like, or would I do time for that, you think? <laughs> no. It would just be considered a sad fucking accident. <laughs> All right. Good for me, I guess. Yeah, mm. I guess. Um, let's go over here to John. John, you're on my face. Lost you. Brett, Phil, you're on my face. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're going up this all wrong with Fezzy. Okay. What if we uh, found someone who was just as messed up as him? Kind of like the Seinfeld with, uh, George and Jerry. They're both half a person, but you put them together, we got one full functioning person. All right, but that other person is going to have to be seven-eighths of a person, maybe even nine-tenths. Well, maybe we get a dating website together where we can, we can match these people up. Freaks. The problem is Fez doesn't like people with problems. Actually, you don't even like people who like you. If you see most of the people that you've fought with over the years, it's people that like you too much. So that's how you, you drove away Mikey D or Roe or... Uh, Darren the other day, when people are like, hey, I'm on Team Fez, that's the ones that you're like, shut up, get out of here. Yeah, I do that. All locked uh, up now? Yeah. It's going too far? All right, why don't we give it a break then? Give you some time. Uh, we break, we come back. We're going to concentrate a little bit on uh, Chris uh, Pecker Lips, Pepper. Stanley. Uh, what's been in your kitchen? What's uh, driving Pecker Lips crazy? Oh, uh, the director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, is throwing down. He's talking some serious shit, and I think we should be brought up. Uh, well, you say The Exorcist, but you also did French, French Connection. Connection. French Connection. Fucking classic, classic film. Uh, I'll, I'm willing to hear this. We're right back, Run Fest. The ferry boat duck things. They ran it completely over. There's the people duck. swimming. The, the ducks, they're filling off your duck. There's got to be 50 people in the river. In the river, ladies. Outside, there's a box car waiting. Outside, the family's to 
Probably kill uh, Frank Blank for me to say this, but Kim Deal is maybe the best backup singer of all time. She's awesome. I so prefer her as the backup, though, than if when she's singing lead. Well, th- I think he only allowed her to write one song and pretty much sing lead on one song when they were actually a band together. Right. That was gigantic, and then he didn't allow it anymore. He was like, enough of that shit. <laughs> You're singing and, and writing too much. You still haven't put down the uh, Scarlett Johansson aspect. I figure it's always nice to just go back to it a little bit, you know, just for today. I mean, it just came out. It's a good look at. Would you dump your chick for her right now? No. No, That's thanks. why you're a real man. No, thanks. Well, she's quite attractive. She is quite attractive, and the ass is everything we wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, all right, Hicks, you said you had some kind of uh, William Freakin' stuff. Yeah, William Freakin'. Uh, he... Just came. He said this. It's harder and harder to do original adult material in this climate of American film, which is mostly concerned with movies that are comic books and remakes and mm-hmm. reboots. It's true. It's it's great. I'm glad that he's saying it though. Uh, Shitting on these in the fucking Hollywood. Yeah, but there's. Uh, I have taken the idea that I also blame the audience. That the audience shows up. Uh, for battling fucking um, things. I'm actually supposed to see the. Battling Robot movie tonight. Yes. Real Steel. Real Steel. Uh, and that's the one that everybody's excited about, right? Yeah, people are very, very fucking excited. They love the Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman does seem to have this. He, he crosses a lot of genres. There's a lot of different demos that are like, yeah, I like Hugh Jackman. You don't run into people who go, you know who I hate is that Hugh Jackman. Damn, no one's going to shit on him. There's just something about him. He's likable, plus he's kind of manly. And he'll do the rom-com, and he's Australian, and everybody likes Australians. Well, I'll say one thing. People do like to throw out the gay rumors for the Hugh Jackman, too. Well, that's because he's a song and dance man. He loves Broadway. Yeah. And yeah. no one can believe that anyone will sing Broadway songs unless they're gay. They just refuse, <laughs> including gay people. Gay people are just as responsible for that as anyone. Yeah. Gay people are always like, look at him, he's gay. Oh, my God. By the way, the kid who played the gay kid on Curb this week was the worst actor that's ever fucking lived. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, there's a new action uh, lights camera um, Jackson out. And I know I shouldn't hate children. But this fucking Zito to be just drives me crazy. I feel like this is an attack on me whenever we bring no, up I do a lot. No, I do enough attacks on you. But the, you do share a lot of... I think that the guy was just overly loved by his parents. Go down a little bit. Uh, is this his main page? Oh, th- this is the main page. This is uh, just a bigger version of that, the new video. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's see if it's the one I saw there. All right, go ahead. It's for um, Contagion? Yeah, this yeah, is this, good. This, this, All right, watch it. I just have to uh, cue it up. There you go. Story is an everyday guy who is immune to the illness. And here to talk about this with us 
Hope to infect us with some thrills of your own, like Cameron Jackson. Thank <laughs> yes, you for hi. Us. Thank you very much. And I want to start by doing a little bit of a hand sanitizer just to get started. You want to take yeah, some? Yeah, yeah hand sanitizer. Yeah, we got we got to get clean with this. It's the latest <laughs> in the uh, worldwide epidemic dramatic thriller uh, genre. And Gwyneth Paltrow plays a wife and a mother who's just returned home from a business trip in Hong Kong. She soon gets sick and dies. And I'm not spoiling anything here. We learn this in the trailer. Soon outbreaks of the disease. Just, uh, Lights, camera, Jackson drives me nuts. He's there's the no reason for me to despise this young boy. No, there is. There's plenty. This kid's a little douchebag. I've got some hand sanitizer. Let's put that on right yeah, now. Some hand sanitizer. There we go. Yeah, put that on right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Contagion. The young Todd Newton. Uh, he is, but Todd Newton is at least likable. Where this kid, you really just want to pull his teeth out. I would love to do that. Lights, camera, Jackson. Where is his local show that he's on? Looks like it's YNN. That's upstate New York. Uh, oh, God. Uh, news channel. Probably Syracuse. Yeah. They actually do have a huge base, YNN, right in the middle of Syracuse. Sure. And he's got that thing going on right now. Brought some hand sanitizer from home. I have to go to Syracuse. He's like a little fucking middle-aged woman. It's fucking really weird. His He's parents. returning from Hong Kong. Let's put that up on um, two, of fr two Friends, too. And I hate to hate a kid. But I also started despising the gay kid on Curb because he was just such a little overactor. He didn't have it together. It's fucking annoying. Fez, why are you holding those papers in front of you? Oh, uh, a couple of live reads today. Well, we're not in commercial time. What do you got to do it on? Well, I have uh, two, four. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, the new season. Have you ever watched the show? I have not watched it yet, no. Ever in all these years? No, nope, I have not checked it out yet. Well, well it's been only, what, six, seven years? Yeah, yeah, it's signed going it's signed up through the tenth season now. I is it the tenth? Signed up through seventh. Yeah. Well it's signed up through the tenth. It's going to be on for ten seasons. Um I would go so far to this. I think Always Sunny may be one of those shows that is the defining show of its decade. Because you gotta figure, if you don't have Always Sunny, you probably don't have the ways to meet your mother and all those kind of shows. And then you probably don't get Louie getting a show because they kind of set up a base yeah, they, that was like to the first go on the outside of what FX. normal comedy is. Oh, yeah. And, and even their story of how they got signed is something that signed the times. They were just on YouTube. They put the, the uh, trailer out or whatever. Like, if you look at what comedy kind of defined a decade, uh, the 90s is Seinfeld. Uh, 80s is you're either going to battle it out between Cheers uh, or uh, Cosby. Cosby. Uh, you go back a decade to 70s, it's probably all in the family, maybe battling a happy days, but it's probably all in the family. Maybe Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, 60s is probably Dick Van Dyke show. You can normally get it. But if you look at the last decade, it's not so much that it's a massive comedy, but a comedy that changed things. So you'd be look like The First Office with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. That or Always Sunny might be the other one. Uh, even though neither one of those would be considered a massive show. If, am I wrong here? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. What do you think was the, de the defining comedy of the aughts? The first decade of the millennium? The, that decade that's hard to name? Uh, I think it's a very short porch here. But I don't think that you would say Raymond. Because that show felt like it was always on...
when it was on. You know what I mean? Like, that show felt 40 years old, the first one they did. And they did it that way on purpose. So I don't think that you have that big comedy the way Seinfeld was, or even Friends that was a water cooler comedy. But if you look at, uh, in the last decade, you got Curb, you got Always Sunny, uh, and you had The Office with Ricky Gervais that more people talked about than probably even saw. Um, the defining comedy, what would you pick? Jeff, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, I'd have to go with Arrested Development. It only ran for three seasons, but each episode was hilarious. Each character was hilarious. And it's too bad it didn't get a lot of recognition that it deserved. Uh, and it's one of those shows where people say, is the movie going to get done? Is the movie going to come out? For years. Yeah. Nonstop. Even when it was in its third season, people were freaking out. Where is it going to go? Is it going to cable? What's going to happen to this show that the critics just fucking love so much and not no one watched when it was on the air? Um, let's go over here to Dan. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, about this? Hey, yeah. um, I don't remember uh, what network it was on back in the 80s, but it uh, married with children. Uh, Fox. Al Bundy. Fox. And, uh, the One of the first Fox shows. The hot Christina Applegate, who I was—I had a poster of her on my wall. I think back when that show was on. But anyway, I thought that show kind of uh, had a big footprint in the '80s and, and changed some shows uh, there on after. Kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, I think that would be considered an '80s show. And like Kick said, after I guess the cartoon, The Simpsons, that was the first big sitcom that kind of took ground in, for Fox. Uh, let's go over here to Ryan. Ryan, you're on Manifest. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. Uh, late '90s, I think this show that started all these, all these quirky comedy shows, Larry Sanders with the Follow Cam. I mean, that that kind of set the ground for The Office and uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. All all the shows that that are out there now. I think you made a really good point there. That if you don't have the Larry Sanders show, does Ricky Gervais come up with The Office and do it the way that he did it? Maybe not. And he's even said that that show was the TV show that he watched and dug. And then he went out and made something totally different. But he did do it in the style of uncomfortability instead of joke, 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 joke. It's weirdness. Um, let's go over here to Ryan. Ryan, you're on Manifest. Hey, guys. I got uh, King of Queens. I mean, I, it may have been more of like a regional show for our area, but that was on for a long time. And I, it, I think it did pretty well for CBS. Well, it did. Uh, it actually was in the shadow of Raymond, though. Raymond was the bigger show at the same time. And it is another, it's a show that was such a traditional comedy that the King of Queens could have ran in the 80s. It could have ran in the 70s. It was just a good professional show. I don't know if you could say it changed stuff. You know what I mean? It was it was formula I don't know, formula like I don't know. Well, no, formulaic in the way uh, of yeah, sitcoms. The basic, the basic. Yeah, stuff sitcoms out. are more or less form uh, formula based. Yeah. Um, let's go over here to. Uh, let's go to David. David, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey guys, for my money, and I don't know that it really set any precedent, but I got to go Chappelle show. Uh, Chappelle show. Sketch show. Well, yeah, it wasn't sitcom. Uh, and it's not like a lot came after. You had the Mexican Chappelle show that came on after it. Yeah, Mind of Mencia. Yeah. But I don't know if we had... And even Chris Rock's show probably came before Chappelle's show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, years before. 
and uh, Living Color and all that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, you might have to even go back to Living Color as, call, as saying, here was the cause and effect. What uh, about like 30 Rock, where it kind of gave us that decade's absurdist thing that led to like things like Children's Hospital? I don't know whether that was the, the point, though. I think you've got to go back to the other one that was before 30 Rock, the one that was canceled. Uh, that we were just talking about a couple minutes ago, the, the college kids, only college kids watched. Well, Arrested the, Development? Arrested Development, yeah. Arrested Development was before, and 30 Rock seems to be like a little more of a broad Arrested Development. You know? Disagree? Nothing? Nobody? A little broad. Uh, okay, maybe maybe this whole thing doesn't interest. Uh, Rocky, you're on Run of Fez. What's up, fellas? Um, Ronnie, what do you think of Roseanne for the 80s? Roseanne would actually have to go into it because that was a massive show built around the woman and the first time you had a woman who didn't particularly do a good job. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like You're like, okay, her kids are going to be fucked up and it's all her fault, but she does kind of love them. And everyone kind of knows that woman. Yeah, if it ain't your mom, it's someone's mom that you know. Also, but that was the thing without the clean house that changed. First the, one? Yeah, the, I think that changed sitcom that led to like the Brett Butler sitcom. Well, it was actually the same producers. Grace where they, Fire. Yeah, they said, let's just uh, go and make this without Roseanne. And then they had just as much trouble with Brett Butler. Um, let's go over to Brian. Brian, you're on a fez. Hey, I got taxi. Um... Taxi, fine sitcom, but never, um, I don't know if you could ever say it was the sitcom of its day, you know? Because it used to even trail like Cheers and Newhart. They used to move it around. They could never find a place for it. I thought it was much bigger because that's all my fucking parents watched was Taxi, rerun to Taxi, constantly watching Taxi. Sure, because you see your house in the opening shot. <laughs> They love Christopher Lloyd. Is that was their favorite? Yeah, that was my dad's favorite for some weird reason. Um, here is uh, Adam. Adam, you're on a fez. Yeah, one of my favorite shows was News Radio. That was a real big uh, show back in, I think it was late 90s. Well, again, I don't know if it was ever real big. It was what? fucking really good, though. It got moved around constantly. Yeah, it got moved around a lot. And it kind of fit in with the taxi type of show, Cheers type of show. Although they probably did start to go a little absurdist. Uh, personally, I've just had enough absurd stuff. I can't. Every fucking commercial now has a miniature black guy in it. I don't even understand why. N- everything is not supposed to make sense. Not enough unicorns. Ridiculous. Uh... Yeah. You're just like, fucking stop it. Um, let's go over here to uh, Finley. Finley, you're on What's up, boys? Listen, for my money, none of these shows exist without Alf. Even shows before it. Shows that came before it, they were preparing for Alf. All right, well, let's go back into the read that Fez has to do today. Always Sunny. A widely popular cult show. Uh, not going away uh, for a long time. These guys get to do their own fucking scene. That show, does that represent where TV ended up going more than anything? 
or was there somebody before them? Because they seem like they're even free of what are the ratings. Because you don't see anybody, you don't see anybody on regular TV getting a three-year fucking deal. Fuck the man. Office doesn't get that kind of shit. No. But if you go to FX, uh, you're able to pull that off. Um, let's go over here to uh, Tony. Tony, you're on Fez. Hey, how's it going, Ron Fez? Pepper Hicks. The, uh, I, I hate this show, but it, the numbers alone, size it was, was for 2000, was two and a half men. Uh, gigantic show. I never saw it at all till Charlie Sheen. Had the blow up. Had the blow up, and then I watched a couple of them. And I will guarantee you, I'm going to watch the first episode this season. I can't wait to see if it. If that thing doesn't get a 90 share, I'm surprised by America. I'm also surprised by this. The Charlie Sheen roast. Almost every joke is already out there. If I was Comedy Central, I'd be pissed. People that were in the audience tweeted all the jokes. Oh. There's video of jokes. It's insane. It's this started with the last roast when the, the situation bombed so horribly. Now, it, for every roast afterwards, is going to be... I guess blown. people don't mind having the fucking joke ruined. Uh, Brian, you're on my Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Lonnie, I don't know if it was... Um Early 70s into the 80s, or it was just 80s, but Three's Company. I used to love that show when I was growing up. Yeah, Three's Company might have been the end of something rather than the beginning of something, you know? Because you stopped doing the sexually suggestive shows around those times. And, oh, I thought you meant her tits when I heard melons from the other room. That lasts about eight years. Jesus. I know it's it's not totally a sitcom, but would reality television and, like, would the yeah, real world be... Yeah, the sitcom... We're really aiming on the sitcom okay. of this. This is the premise of that. You know, we're not... That's why we're not bringing in dramas and stuff. Okay. Uh, and I really tried to figure out what would you pick as the definitive sitcom of the last decade? Because I don't know whether... You would just go on popularity. That would probably be Everybody Loves Raymond. But there was nothing kind of breakthrough about the show. Like most of the other shows that we're talking about were a breakthrough. Yeah. This was just a consistently run joke show that was done professionally well. The guy with his family. Yeah. His Same with Two and a Half Men, which was The Odd Couple. One and a Half Men. Do you, you consider Two and a Half Men just the Odd Couple reboot it back? Yeah, Odd Couple with a kid. All right. Um, George, George, you're on the Run Fest show. Uh, yeah, what's up, man? Uh, yeah, yeah well, mine, mine goes back to the show. How about uh, Bobby Miller? Really strong sitcom, but not the defining sitcom of the day. I don't think you're going to get past either Mary Tyler Moore or probably the real one is all in the family. People don't realize like how many magazine articles were done about that, how many times people were shocked. Like, I can't believe they said color guy. I think it's the first time they ever flushed a toilet on TV. And that was like... It blew people's minds? Yeah, like, holy... Did you hear it? Like, they were like, where's Archie? And then you just hear a toilet flush, and he's coming down the steps, oh my God, tucking his shirt in, and no one could fucking believe it. They're like... TV has turned us on our head. Yeah, even if a sitcom had a bathroom, it didn't have a toilet in it, like the Brady Bunch. Keith, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, I love the BBC version of The Office. I understand how important it is, and, and, and I'm a big fan of it. But what I don't get is what seems to be the hatred for the American version of it, or at least the, 
the, the criticism. It doesn't seem to be as appreciated or... Well, the American version... Uh, here, here's what people didn't like. The BBC office was Ricky Gervais writing with his partner, and it was just those guys with every part of it. When you get to the American office, it's another joke machine show, and it's just like other shows. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It's certainly professionally done well. It's got all good people on it, but it doesn't... It's almost like if you did a show... uh uh uh, a new version of Louie, and added 15, 18 more jokes with a laugh track, it would be something else. It's a total, it's a different monster. It's, yeah. it's the, the original Office was like a self-contained two seasons, 12 episodes, and a special. Now this is over 100 episodes. And I, I will tell you that the first time it was on BBC America, I caught the first episode of The Office. I'm like, I can't wa- wait. I can't wait till next week. I was so fucking... I'm like, I can't believe I have a TV show to look forward to. <laughs> I, I felt like this. a little kid. <laughs> and when that show was over, I was like a little sad. I was very sad. I mean, And I, then I was saying to people, you think extras is going to be good? Can't wait for extras. <laughs> What's good you know, it, it made you a fucking fan again. Great feeling. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Nate. Nate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. I know uh, your your defense of uh, All in the Family was really good, but in the 70s, I would say MASH defined it because it still plays today. And I don't mean, like, plays physically. It's still, it's, it's still right up there. It's something I would watch any day of the week over 90% of what's on TV. Um, you know, the difference is I don't know if I would ever call MASH like a real situation comedy. It was... Some kind of a dramedy, dramedy, you know, something along those lines. It's a fucking great show, but also maybe even the movie's better. The movie's playing on cable this month. The movie's pretty fucking good. Yeah, My I mean, the movie is the thing that kind of changed the way things were done, and then the TV show p- picked it up, uh, oh, and sure. then they got closer and closer to being jokey as the years went on. But the whole fucking point of that was like, hey, there's young guys out there with their stomachs cut open. Uh, we're looking for the definitive show of the last decade. The, the, the definitive comedy of the last decade is a curb. Is it always sunny? It's tough to pick to us. It's really always sunny. That uh, starts this Thursday. That's the seventh season. Starts this Thursday on FX. Plus, they have the return of Archer for a special three-episode arc. So that's all starting Thursday on FX at 10 p.m., where they start wrapping up some of the uh, storylines from uh, how last season ended. Like with uh, uh, Dee giving birth to a baby that wasn't hers, Max's mom burning her own house down. And Charlie and Dennis being mistaken for prostitutes. And in this season, they head out to the Jersey Shore and start hosting um, baby beauty pageants. Isn't the big story this season going to be the weight gain? He put on 50 pounds on purpose just to to have a bit? Yeah, just be funny. I can't imagine that there's, you know, and they've gotten tons of uh, press on that. I can't imagine that. That's not going to be the defining moment of the season, and does he lose the weight? First, when the promo started running, whoa, whoa, whoa. That could yeah. get a lot of weight. What's going on here? <laughs> so that's um, 
It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the seventh season, starting this Thursday, 10 p.m. on FX. Uh, Alex, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, hey, uh, first I wanted to say that uh, Fez is gay for liking 30 Rock. I just got to tell him that. And, uh, 30 Rock's a good show. show Park. Um, 30 Rock is a very, very good show. Um, Alec Baldwin is amazing on that show. He is the shit. He's now just comedic Alec Baldwin now. It's like you forget he's doing... He did. He was a dramatic actor. I forget. That's right. I guess it's just me. I just see the com comedy in him now. You done? Yes. When you're done, I can move on. Okay. Uh, Jim, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron. It hasn't been the last 10 years, but I think there was a time when the Cosby Hold show... Hold on. I just want to check. Pepper, you want to dig that hole any deeper, or you just want to stop I'm, shoveling? I'm good. Okay. Gotcha. What's that? I think there was a time when the Cosby Show basically rebooted the sitcom. They were pretty much dead as a uh, as a as a medium. All right, so let's look at this. Would you say the eighties were Cosby's or Cheers? I think Cosby saved Cheers, but they're both number one shows. Cheers started before them, and I understand that you know Cosby became this massive, massive thing. I think you might have to give it to Cosby. I'm going Cheers. Based on what? Your own racism? I watch Cheers more in my household. What do you guys just watch? Cheers and Chag Cheers. Taxi? What did you get? The fucking NBC channel and that's it? Cheers, Taxi, and MASH. Non-stop. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's all I fucking watched. Um, let's go over here to uh, Tom. Hey, buddies. Yeah. What do you think about Welcome Back Carter? And it's, it's, the 70s, Carter. But it's Cotter. <laughs> Cotter, Cotter, I'm sorry, Mr. Cotter. I think it only ran three seasons. It, it, was, it, was, it changed the TV, the way it came out, it changed a lot of stuff, I think. And like what? The second that the guy got a movie, he was done. I'm out of here, I'm out of this fuck. Yeah, I'll tell you this, that was a show that paid more attention to catchphrases than they did storyline, plot, character. People would come out, do their catchphrase, the audience would applause, and they would walk back off again. Um... <laughs> Let's go over here to uh, Mike. Mike, you're on Manifest. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that helped me out after Seinfeld ended was Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun, massive, massive show. Um, Jane Curtin's third big comedy. Not a lot of people have been able to pull that off. No. Third big comedy. Uh, let's go over here to Jake. Jake, you're on Manifest. Hey, Ron, says Becker. Um, Pepper. In terms of uh, revolu not revolutionary, but breakthrough sitcoms, don't you think back to the day, you know, Good Times was our first exposure to, as a Midwest kid, that was my first exposure to black people. And it pretty much set the stage for later shows like Cosby, you know? Pretty groundbreaking show, don't you think? Uh, yeah, it was a massively big uh, show uh, right off the bat. And there is a lot to say to that. Uh, but I think Frank would be right with his choice before Good Times. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, what about you go back to all the Norman Liz, Maud, and, and then you get Sanford and Son for their time period. Red Fox is funny no matter how you cut it. I don't care what that man ever did. It was always funny. Uh, Dave, you're on a fuss. bring up scripture? Nope, and we never will, Dave. Uh, we never will. Dislike that show. Me too. 
and there are people who fucking love it. I can't get enough of it. It's an okay show. No, it's not. Mono. <laughs> Look, you know what? I don't care if you guys don't get along. I don't want you to attack each other's diseases. I will attack mono all you day You both long. have mono. You're both in the mono ward. I, I'm undecided. <laughs> Hicks is trying to steal my thunder by saying he has mono. He doesn't have mono. I know he doesn't. I You're can tell. A fucking doctor. I'll tell you this. I've never seen him run off and get a blood test before. That's right. I've never known well, him look to do this. that. Look at this. Look at this, Mono. It's a giant black and blue. Look, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. We, we ought to fucking settle this mono y mono. <laughs> Just the two of you. Hey, coming down in a little bit, uh, we're going to be talking with Peter Hook. He is the bass player uh, from two legendary bands, New Order, and of course, uh, before that, the band that started... The Manchester scene, Joy Division. Uh, he's out doing Joy Division songs and actually album. Is he doing it song by song in the albums? Yeah, he's doing Closer and Unknown Pleasures. All right, so he's stopping by. Legendary player. Now, why that's happened, a new order is deciding to go out without him. I guess they're so pissed off him because they were all in the band together. Yeah, that was the yeah, Joy Division became New Order. Yeah, it's not like Wings was three of the Beatles. <laughs> It's, I've never heard of that happening before with a band, that the lead singer dies, you change it. I mean, here's the other time. It's when John Norman Howard Speedway called themselves Freeway, and a fucking star is born. I gotta go over and check the message boards from the league. I've put a couple of good messages in there that I'm happy, including greatest football movie of all time. I'm hoping people are commenting. Um... Eric, you're on Fez. Gone. Let's go over here to Eddie. Eddie, you're on Fez. Yeah, how about uh, shows that help guys like Fez feel comfortable in their own skin, like uh, Will and Grace? Will and Grace, massive show that seemed to be forgotten about the second one off the air. I don't even know if they had a giant, like a big show to... I don't know. To they say, didn't. Goodbye, Will and Grace. Like, no. They're just gone. They're just... Will... Bye, Grace, bye. Guy who didn't get his name in the title, bye. But they were massive there for a while. They are on for a bunch of fucking seasons. Pete, you're on Manifest. Ronnie, uh, really, before Seinfeld just blew everything out of the water, what about Murphy Brown? Murphy Brown was a very, very big show, very well put together show. And uh, again, once it went off the air, do you ever hear people saying, oh, I caught a Murphy Brown last night? Looks like they just went away. What are you doing? Trying to write in during the show? I'm all over it. I just had to get my two two cents in. Good. So you like to do it. Hey, I, I saw the topic. I got to get in there. Yeah, that's good. That's why you're my buddy. I checked. I checked These other guys don't do it. These other guys don't post. Oh, really? Because I'm pretty sure I had a post up before Pepper Hamburger. Oh, shit. Oh, what in the fuck? Oh, shit. Bullshit. Maybe Zietz is my buddy. I don't know. Well, sure. Bur come on. First responders. I do like first responders. Uh, we do got a break here. We get back. Uh, Peter Hook is going to be here. Bass player with Joy Division. Uh, your whole life you've heard Joy Division songs. You never had a chance to see them live. Uh, they're out there. What's the website or how people can reach them? It's uh, peterhook.co.uk. That's where all the tour information is. Yeah. And his Twitter is Peter underscore Hook. And the number one, Peter uh, underscore Hook one. That's for the first responders. Uh, we break here. Back with Peter Hook from Joy Division. 
It's the Ron and Fez Show. joined us in the studio nice to see you thank you and uh you are revisiting this uh music how long had it been since you went back into joy division it had been um on this scale 34 years it's amazing well it it was quite an odd position that we were put in when ian died Mm -hmm. um we were all so shocked which was understandable um we literally put everything together in a box and put it away. Yeah. And we carried on. And I think at the time, it felt completely right to do that. And you, you were very young. You didn't know how to handle the grief, which I think would be the thing. And you were happy to be diverted into new order. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, in a strange way it worked. The fact that we concentrated on new order as much as we did made new order very successful. And, and I don't know if that's ever happened before, has it? Where the band could lose a lead singer, start a new band? I don't know. Yeah, it, I've it'd never be heard nice it to be unique. Yeah. But, but you know, the, the, the strangest thing is it was only, um, whilst I was in new order, whilst we were together, yeah. you know, it was okay. And the fact that we carried on as New Order, which was the most important thing, and Joy Division seemed like an interesting curio 
mm. something you were in but was quite distant because I, I really did turn off from it once Ian died I never bothered with anything to do with the band I never read anything about the band never went back and listened never to went back stuff. or listened to it I started listening to Closer after about 10 years wow. when, t when, it, when it was put on CD funny thing was was that that was when i started listening to closer and I, I never listened to unknown pleasures because i simply felt that i didn't like it was it the the, the reason to to walk away from it because it wasn't just that it was an artistic project or a business project, but this was the friendship of youth. This is the yeah. most powerful yeah, the friendships glue that you could that ever have. held you together. I mean, the thing was is that we made a um, a vow to each other when we were Joy Division that if any member left, then Joy Division would finish. Yeah. And that was what we stuck to. And I think we made that vow about New Order as well, actually. Uh, which just goes to show you some <laughs> things never last forever. Yeah. But um, it was, it was, it was enabled you to just, you know, now when, when you're older, you realize how important grief is. Yeah. You know, to mourn the loss of someone that you hold very, very dear, as it been in my case with my parents or uh, luckily nobody else, but people close to you. you. You realize how important part of the healing process is to grieve. But then, basically, the idea of just going to the pub. Yeah. And just getting on with it, you know, with somebody else on a new band seemed like the way out. Yeah. And it was only when, uh, as I said before, when New Order weren't playing together anymore, and I had, had, had had five years off, and it was Ian Curtis's 30th anniversary. Uh, and I got involved in two celebrations, one in Macclesfield, by the Council of Macclesfield to celebrate Ian's life, which they've never done before, and one in Manchester to celebrate Ian's life because Manchester very synonymous with Joy Division, both of them fell through. And I just thought it was really sad that nobody was doing anything for the 30th anniversary. So because I've got my own club in Manchester, mm -hmm. I thought, hang on a minute, I'll do it. So I did a memorabilia exhibition, and the idea was to play some Joy Division music. Uh, I got the idea for playing the LP from an interview with Bobby Gillespie of Primal Scream, yeah. who was talking about Screamadelica, how they'd never had the opportunity or the, the, the want to play Screamadelica. And I thought, wow, that's like the same thing we did with Unknown Pleasures. We never really looked at the LP once Martin had done it. We more or less ignored it because Bernard and I in particular were very unhappy with the production. I realise now that that was wrong. <laughs> you know, the great thing about age, isn't it? You do, yeah. uh, you do get to a maturity and a way of looking at things. Uh, and when I went back to revisit Unknown Pleasures and realised how fantastic a job Martin Hannett, yeah. the producer, had done, I was very humbled, to be honest, because I wanted it to sound like the Sex Pistols. I was angry. And I wanted the world to know, and I wanted the music to sound like it did live, where it just ripped your head off. You know, very short-sighted, very narrow-minded, but that was what I wanted. And when I didn't get that, I was very upset. Well, isn't it funny, too, that you, since you left that music behind, it has stayed in this kind of time-space that young people tend yes. to love mm -hmm. Joy Division and I wonder if a big part of that is because it was kind of almost left to future generations it it yeah. never kind of aged it was never way milked it was yeah. never milked to death yeah. which I suppose was the thing I mean I remember Rob Gretton we, we had a wake for Ian after um, his 
his cremation and Rob Gretton, we're all sat there. It's, it's actually in the film in 24 Hour Party People. Yeah. He turned around and said to us, don't worry. He said, don't worry. Joy Division are going to be really big in 10 years. Yeah. And we were like, oh man, you know, <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> ah, we were 21, you know, 22 or whatever. It just didn't come into your imagination at all. And Joy Division have that uncanny knack, considering they only did two records of staying very true and it was quite odd really when when I did it first in Manchester uh, I didn't really expect to get everywhere I certainly didn't expect to be coming to America twice playing it I'm very very flattered but when we did start playing it, I thought it'd be full of fat 55-year-old blokes like me. Yeah. <laughs> Just us, <laughs> you know. And then when you got to the audiences, the audiences were really mixed. And they were very young. And they were very knowledgeable. Yeah. And it, it was, wow, I was like really taken aback. And the thing is, is that now that I think about it, I have to recognise that it's the chemistry of the four people in Joy Division that created the music and the music with Martin Hannett and what we did on Factory Records. The whole thing, the whole package is, was quite unique. And at the time, you have no idea that the people around you are of legendary status. No. These are just people that you know. But now, everybody that's been involved in that early period, uh, it has taken somewhat of a mythical Yes, it Place has, for yes. people. And I, I, I do understand it. You know, the thing about Ian's, you know, the whole thing about I want to die before I get old yeah. and the very, the frustration of youth, you know, I, I do understand all that because you see it in so many people from Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin to Nirvana, you know, you do see the, the same thing repeated and you understand the mythology. But from my point of view as a musician, I'd have to say that it's down to the music. Yeah. The music lasts and Martin Hannett gave it a life past just a record you know he gave it years and i was very humbled as i said when when i listened to what a great job martin hannett did on unknown pleasures and closer and then when i came to translate it to play it i made sure that i incorporated those elements because in joy division we never did because we thought that we knew best well, <laughs> <laughs> well the, the, you know you brought up the the pistols and Obviously, that band meant so much to you guys at the mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. but the fact that you don't sound like the Sex Pistols <laughs> is the thing that keeps Joy Division uh, yes. in the spot. I I must admit, I was talking about this earlier, and the inspiration for going to see the Sex Pistols and then to form a group was, was not about music. It was about, you know, cocking a snoot, right. as we say in England, at the world. It was about telling the world and all the people in it where to get off. And I must admit that one of the great things about being in a group is, is that literally you can act, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, very obnoxiously towards sure. everybody. And because you're in a group, they, you, you can get away with it. You can get away yeah. with mad clothes, mad haircuts, a really obnoxious <laughs> manner. And they go, oh, is it a group? Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, it's, and it's like it becomes par for the course, the bad behavior. So I was very lucky to get that job. But it is very close to joining a gang. I mean, it's very yes. much clockwork mm -hmm. orange in so many ways. And it's know? amazing how competitive it is. I became a DJ about seven years ago. Uh, very late on in mm. my career, you know, and um, I've always got used to groups being very competitive, especially in Manchester. You know, us and the Smiths in Spiral Carpets, Stone Roses, we were all making sure, everyone was jockeying for position yeah. in your own little gang, making sure that you looked after yourselves. When I got to DJing, I thought that would be the same. And yet DJs aren't like that. They are very, very hospitable, very helpful to each other. 
Um, and it's, that is a real, um, they, they help each other. And it was a shock coming from a group. Yeah, why do you think, the, what that? do you think the difference is? I think it's because it's solitary. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that when you're doing something on your own, you are more receptive right. to people outside you. And more respectful in a way, because you can always hide, as we said, talked about the bad behavior, you can use the bad behavior. There's so many people around most groups that you can hide behind it. Well, and there's also a thing of people want to either steal members from the group, steal the lead singer and start a new band, grab the drummer, yes, bring that into the band. That. And we, we never suffered from that because yeah. I think we had that real um, closeness mm -hmm. that came. Um, I wish it had lasted. Yeah. <laughs> and but uh, it didn't. The oddness of meeting you know tony wilson and the strangeness of factory records being so different than being with a regular record label yeah i mean factory records was a fantastic concept and i must admit that the thing that we liked about it was the freedom mm -hmm. um literally tony said to us you can whatever you want to do you can do it and we were like well that seems normal because we'd never been on a major record label yeah. so we didn't know the the you know how difficult it can be working for the man, if mm -hmm. you like. We, we were very, very spoiled. And the wonderful thing about Factory was that everything was very immediate. I remember write, writing Love Will Tear Us Apart, and we more or less in passing mentioned to Tony that we'd written a new song. And he went, oh, great, have you got a cassette? And played it, and he went, right, let, let's get that done, recorded next week, and we'll put it out the week after. And we were mm -hmm. like, yeah! And you get to a major record label, everything's planned years in advance. Right. It's just so boring. And I think the thing was, is that the other great thing about Tony was, which was absolutely the most realistic thing I've ever heard was, he said, we'll carry on working together as long as we get on. And if we don't get on, we won't work together. And we were like, oh, right, that seems perfectly feasible. And yet, the way that most record companies work, you're there for life, whether they hate your guts, yeah. which seems completely illogical. So they had some quite revolutionary, but very realistic ideas. And it was about that. It was about keeping control. I remember being offered, um, we were offered £70,000 in 1978 to sign to Genetic, which was an offshoot of Radar Records, mm. who were very, very famous. And I couldn't have even dreamed about a sum of money that large ever in my life and the easiest thing and we had nothing it was the easiest thing in the world to turn it down <laughs> oh no no we're going to stay in manchester factory because we like tony and everyone's going you're mad but it felt absolutely right to do it and the the wonderful thing about the success you had as the group of joy division uh, i remember going down and picking up the first records we we did ten thousand of unknown pleasures and i went down and picked them up because they had nobody else to go and pick them up so me and rob gretton our manager drove to london picked up ten thousand i don't know if you've ever carried ten thousand records that is a lot of records it took us three hours to load them in the van drive to manchester unload them another three hours it was a hell of a feat and then they sold out in the first week and that was just like phenomenal success to us and because of the deal we had with factory which was thank you which was um 50 50 it meant that we sold 10,000 albums so we got 10,000 pounds susie and the banshees would have had to sell 300,000 albums to earn 10,000 pounds so it enabled you to look at success and work in a completely different way and it enabled you to survive without having to pander to um, success, you know, from what they, what they termed success. And yet Tony's, um, you know, factory records is never going to be copied again because 
you know, he couldn't actually make it a long-term success, right? I mean, no, in fact, you, you almost need to own these bands well, to make it long-term. The, the mistake that Tony made, which was quite an interesting, uh, simple mistake, was that he didn't take MCPS, the BPI payment that mm -hmm. comes out. So when a record puts a... When a record company puts a record out, they have to pay something like 8% to straight to the MCPS, I think it is, as a publishing yeah. thing that the band gets. So Tony always said, well, it's not 50-50. You're getting 58 and I'm getting 42. And Rob Gretton, being as cantankerous as he was at that time, would never admit it. So Tony really sowed the seeds for his own destruction in that one, and it should have been 50-50. But we did, um, we did substance on a reduced rate to uh, because the factory couldn't pay us they were investing so much in the other bands that they couldn't pay us and we did substance at a reduced rate and it was the biggest selling record ever substance um new order we did it 25 percent and it sold three million <laughs> so he got his own back <laughs> you know what i mean so it was swings and roundabouts but it, it was a, a very healthy uh, relationship between the group and the the label yeah. and with the hacienda our nightclub in the middle it, and that was owned was by who? Who owned the house? It was owned 50-50 by a uh, factory in New Order. And uh, I must admit, you know, looking back on it now, we must have been crazy. <laughs> we lost so much money on that club. We entertained Manchester at our own expense for 16 years. And I don't know if any bands in New York have ever done that, have they? No, no, they uh, haven't. I wouldn't have thought so, off. yeah. Um, and I w I'm, I'm very proud of it now, I must admit, because, again, it was one of the unique selling points that makes um, both New Order and Joy Division very, very interesting. But, my God, I think if someone had said then to me, would you rather have the Hacienda or 16 million, I think we lost? <laughs> Oh, they got go for the 16 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, with the, with the wisdom of age. It becomes this uh, legendary thing. Oh, you, you've already brought up 24-Hour Party People, which is mm -hmm. one of those films that is yes. beloved by people who love music. Mm, Michael Winterbottom, who yeah. was the producer, um, thought that the whole... To him, everybody... When anybody told him anything about Joy Division, the Hacienda, or Factory, he thought it was very farcical. Mm. He said, you guys have really changed the world, but the way you've done it is like a farce. Yeah. He said, it's hilarious. People need to see the humour in it. So he set out to make it look like a sort of carry-on-up-the-factory, <laughs> Benny Hill type of version of factory, which he did. And, you know, I tell you what, I go to some places around the world and you're getting a cab, right? And you can always tell the measure of your where you're from by what the cab driver knows. And then whenever you get in a cab in Brazil, Argentina, anywhere, and say you're from Manchester, the guy goes, oh, Manchester United, yeah, 24-hour party people. And it's, it's two things it's people gone know Manchester. round the world. So yeah. Michael Winterbottom did a wonderful job. He put us on the map at that period. And can you imagine that, you know, to even be there with the United? The, you know, talk, <laughs> talk about how much money they've put into marketing over the well, years. Well, I have lived in the shadow of United's ground ever since I was a baby. Yeah, is that uh, right? Yeah, I looked out of my front door in Salford and I could see United. And um, now uh, I live where all the players live. I live very close to Wayne Rooney. Uh, and Edwin van der Sar, the goalie, lived opposite me. So it's quite funny that you kept that football allegiance, you know, right right the way through. But no, it was interesting. I mean, the, if you look at a film like Control, yeah. which was by Anton Corbin, which was like a very dark, very serious version, because Anton is serious. He's a very serious guy and he's a real perfectionist. 
and I knew that when he did control, I would see myself in my character, which I didn't in 24 Hour Party People, right. and I would see the character of the other people, and you did. Control was scarily realistic. Mm. And I suppose I'm in the very lucky position of having done two films that I've featured and they're still alive. <laughs> yes. Isn't <laughs> that interesting? That, yeah. Most people, this happens long after yes, they're gone. Uh, but there, there, was there a, a feeling of darkness around uh, the band very, very early on? I mean... No. You know what? The, the, the thing was, when we were together as a group, we mm -hmm. were very, very serious. And we worked very, very hard and very intensely to make the group successful. And one of the most intense people about making it work was Ian, which was why his illness frustrated him so much, because he wanted the group to be fantastic. He wanted yeah. to be a huge success. And everybody took it for granted that as people, we were very serious. But it was the complete opposite. When we weren't concentrating on the group, we were just your average bunch of pissheads. Yeah. You know, real bunch of dicks. Ian included. You know, we were very normal, and it always used to freak some bands out. I remember bumping into quite a few bands, actually, that were really freaked out because we weren't serious. Birthday party, you know, loads of bands were getting really, wow. <laughs> you know, you're like normal people. Going, what do you mean? <laughs> were you an ambitious band, though? I mean, did from the beginning, um, we're like, let's, mm. let's make this important. See, it's quite, it's quite an odd thing when you review it, to, to review ambition. I mean, the most important thing was to play, yeah. and you didn't care where you played or to who. And people always ask you, you know, now, you know, what what size audience do you want or what's your best audience that you play to? And the thing is, I remember doing one of the first gigs as Joy Division uh, in Oldham, a place called Oldham in Manchester, Tower Club, and we had no people. None. None. Nobody came to see us, apart from two young ladies that came in halfway through, came right to the front of the stage. When we finished the song, they went, Hey, are you frantic elevators? And we went, no, we're Joy Division. And she turned to a friend and said, told you we got the wrong place, and left. And we were on our own with the guy sweeping up in front. And then, you know, what are we now? 10, 15 years later, you're headlining Glastonbury to 115,000 people. And I always say, as long as it's somewhere in between. <laughs> it's anywhere in between. <laughs> I'm happy. You um, know? You're so touring it, this uh, now, playing these songs that you haven't played in so long. And Moby is going to... Yes, um, I was asked, Moby, God bless him, he's a, he's a good, good acquaintance, good friend of mine mm -hmm. now, and uh, he uh, emailed me to ask for tickets for the show in LA, uh, and I thought, oh, I'll be cheeky, because you see, the thing is, is that I'm a bass player, I love playing bass, so when someone else sings, I get to play bass, I, I get to knock my son off bass, right. and I get to play, so I thought, oh, I'll try it on here, and I'll say, yeah, if you're coming, why don't you come and sing a couple of tunes, and very graciously, and very excitedly, he said yes. So I'm absolutely delighted. We've played with him before. Uh, and did you know him from DJing, or is this... No, no, we, yeah. we, we did one of our first sort of comeback tours as New Order with Moby mm -hmm. on Area One. And uh, he encouraged us a lot to get back into it after our, when Bernard went off with Electronic. And uh, it was a great encouragement. We ended up playing with him on stage with John Frusciante and uh, him doing New Dawn Fades. Mm. And I've always remembered that, funnily enough. And that's one of the interesting things now about, you know, rediscovering, like we had Perry Farrell, who sang Transmission with us in yeah. Los Angeles as well, which was fantastic. You know, I'm a Perry Farrell fan. He's just brilliant. Yeah, he just so it's, it's great to... to 
turn it round, you know, like that. And it's, no, it's nice. It's, it gives me a chance to play bass, which I'm very happy about. And, you know, you get to rock with your mates, which is good. Um, there is all kinds of stuff in the news this week about New Order uh, coming together without you. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and you didn't see this one coming? You didn't? No, they, um, they kept it from me, actually, because of uh, business. Yeah. They were, um, uh, boring as it sounds, they were plotting a boardroom coup to um, kick down my interest in the trademark, which was very sad and very sneaky. And um, it's something that I'm dealing with at the moment. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't mind them playing. That doesn't bother me at all, to be honest. After five years of of no new order, uh, I don't feel in a position where I could play with them because our relationship is absolutely tragic. To be honest, it's really, really bad. Even after five years, so you couldn't play with them. And for them to come to you and say, "Oh, we want to do some dates as new order," I, I would have said, "Good luck." Yeah, you know. But the, 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 it's the lack of respect, really, for something that you built together. You know, I don't think anybody could deny that yeah. you built it together. Well, where did it all start going wrong? I mean, here is this lifetime thing, and mm. you know, almost like a divorce. Is it's, like yes, well, it was worse. It's like a, it's like a, any relationship or a marriage, and you know, it's that thing when you're together for a hell of a long time, and then the sex goes, mm. and then it's just not worth it, is it? So once me and Bernard stopped having sex, I knew it was, I knew it was going to end sooner or later. Um, <laughs> the truth is, is is that. As you grow older, and men are terrible at this, aren't they? They get very cantankerous, very set in the ways, and they have very fixed ideas. And when you've got a few men together, then you've got a problem. And what happened was, was that basically I didn't like what he was doing, and probably he didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like his ambitions for the group, I didn't like his attitude, and I didn't like the way he was handling something that was very, very dear to me. So I knew that you couldn't carry on. And since we um, stopped, the main argument has been about whether New Order split or whether I left. And that is what we've fallen out about. That and that's become like a legal thing of whether... Unfortunately, been, yeah. yes, it has, because the... Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm just like you. You know, no, no one's going to kick me yeah. and get away with it, so... Well, the interesting thing about uh, rock and roll is that it's never over. Um, I've seen this happen with so many. <laughs> We've well, seen the Eagles. Yeah, oh, you know, you, Hell Freezes Over tour. Yeah, yeah. I remember. You I go remember. through band after band, and the Who have different planes mm, and in, in buses. Fact, I'm telling you, if you read Keith Richards' book, yeah. When he gets to his relationship, when Don Was was producing them, Don Was came out with the best bit of logic I've ever heard in my life about group members. And he said that two principals in a group will always turn to hate each other because it's the only way they can make great music is when you get those two principals together. And if you look at that with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, if you look at me with Bernard, whatever we do together as New Order is easily surpasses anything we do alone. And I hate it, and he hates it too, and Don was is absolutely right. Yeah, it is. But it's a sad fact of life, and that's what happens. As soon as I read that, it made me laugh out loud. Uh, every band is exactly the same. And kind of the genius of the Stones is that Mick will pick, put up with it too. I mean, here he is, he should be this, you know, living a king's life, but he's willing to go back yeah, yeah. into I mean, it, that. It's, it, it's amazing how people can get under your skin. Yeah. You know, what the others have done with New Order at the moment is, is pure bitterness and spite. 
you know, and against me. And the, there's, it's probably the, the same thing that most groups do to each other when they, they just keep on going. It's like a feud. And whenever you get a feud, it just keeps on going, unfortunately, and it always ends very, very messily. Yeah, and this is sad. You know, it's sad for the fans because I, I, I'm a bit too old to argue (laughs) and to fight like this, and it destroys everything that you've achieved. You know, New Order are a fantastic group, biggest selling 12-inch of all time. You've lasted. Nobody ever calls you an 80s revival group. Yet we were there in the 80s. We've managed to stay very current throughout our whole career with a lot of skill, a lot of talent, a lot of luck. But we've done it. You know, you've managed to stay current right the way through it, and now here we are, squabbling like schoolchildren, still. And ultimately, it will ruin everything. Well, and I, I hope, I, hope it, yeah. I, I want it to stop. Yeah. I'm sick of it. If they'd have come to me before, and we could have sorted this out, we could have sat there like men, like professionals, you know, like grown-ups, and we could have sorted it out. And I'm amazed that it never crossed their minds once to try and do that. Um... Well, I, I wish you all the luck that uh, that it will work out uh, for everybody involved. And you're doing this tour. If anybody uh, wants to check out all the dates, it's peterhook.co.uk for tour dates and more information. And it's uh, at Peter underscore Hook one on Twitter. Yes. It's mm-hmm. uh, great to meet you. And you. Thank you very and, much. And uh, hope to see you next time. Well, hopefully through. it'll be under happier circumstances. <laughs> Maybe although saying that, I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> we
goes under, the whole town goes under. And that's when the whores come in. Excuse me, what was that? Men laying their trick money down, $20 to pay the rent. Maybe instead I'll spend it on the whore. 
Hinduism. Yeah, but it's, it's the Ron Fez show. I see some people have tweeted about app problems, but there's nothing I can do from here. Zeets, so if you'll just pass it along to them. That and squeaky microphones. Just every day. Just write the same things to them. A slow computer. Slow computer. And slow computers. Uh, it's the Ron and Fez show. Uh, thanks to Peter Cook for stopping in. First responders, I hope you're on top of that. Uh, I liked what he brought up about these rock and roll partnerships being based on kind of a hate. That was great. Uh, because there is. But I also told him it's never over. I can't think Talking Heads and the Smiths never got back together. They would fucking be huge, either of those tours. But we certainly said that the Pixies would never, under any circumstances, get back together. They did. Uh, he mentioned the Eagles had said, I will never fucking be with those people again. Then, oh, here's the money when you're not here. Ching, ching. Here's the money when you are. Gush. Oh. All right, let's do it. Fine, fuck it. Uh, police or another band said they would never be together. But if you get into the great rock and roll uh, partnerships, who do you think would be number one in that list? It's got to it's be Mick and fucking Keith. Mick and Keith over John and Paul? Yeah, I'm going to say Mick and Keith over John and Paul. Yeah. I'll open this up to the listeners. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Because kind of the interesting thing about uh, John and Paul is that they really didn't need each other. <laughs> uh, you know, they were able to have successful careers they were both, yeah. apart. You can't say that about Mick and Keith. No. Not Let's all. work. <laughs> Let's work. And is that like new super group that Mick is in? Yeah, that no one seems to care outside of Rolling Stone magazine. No, not at all. Very odd. Yeah, they, it's they, they weird to see Mick without Keith, though. You can't help it. No, they're they're the fucking they're, um, they're the same person. They're just like symbiote of just glimmer twins. Yeah, the glimmer twins. It's a very weird thing when that happens. Uh, and Hooks, you said they hate. He hates it that he can't do it without the, the guy from fucking spices it. Yeah, and yet. You know, everything about Mick, and this makes me think it's fucking strong, is that he will go back. Now, Pete and Roger despise each other. Yeah. Separate bu buses, separate planes. Don't see each other, right? I, what I've been told is they enter from different parts of the stadium, enter the stage different sides, they do their show, exit separately, and get out into the world. That is some serious dislike. Holy shit. And yet, who cares? As long as they do the show. They rock it out. Yeah. Nothing else really matters. <laughs> they fucking entertain the people. I just want to see my generation, that's all. I've seen it so many times, now I'm done. Oh, uh, what about Plant and Page? Never close to being as big a part as they were together. Nowhere near, no. I don't even... I'll see like Plant playing a like he'll do shows just by himself and why would yeah. I go? Why I'm not going to that? I guess it's cool, but I've seen him by himself. How is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, a it's <laughs> very passable rock and roll show. Sure, uh, Jeff, you're on my face. 
Hey, buddies, love the show. Hey, I got to say, it's got to be John and Paul. I mean, if you had zombie John Lennon come back nowadays, that'd be huge. And yet, Paul still plays stadiums by himself. Ah. And if John was alive, John would be playing stadiums if he wanted to. He'd have Yoko next to him, but he would be playing stadiums if he wanted to. They, Easily. They had hits. Not only that, George and Ringo had number one hits without them. The and the other guys won. Who knew? <laughs> uh, time here, running fuzz. Hey, buddy. Yeah. What about Jerry Bob, the Dead? The interesting thing is, like, even when the Dead was selling stadiums, you could still go see Jerry Garcia in theaters when he did his Jerry Garcia band thing. Yeah, uh, Trey uh, does the same thing as Trey Anastasio band, mm-hmm. and that I, I don't think I've ever—I've never been to a Trey Anastasio. Doesn't band, interest so. you? I, I want to see Fish, even if he'll do covers of Fish song uh, covers. There is songs. Yeah. I, I don't care. I want to see the whole band together. Brian, you're on the fence. Hey guys, what about uh, Roger Waters and David Gilmore? Hate each other. Yeah. Now, oh, despise each other. The interesting but- thing is, Gilmore got the name, so he still gets the big places. But has he ever done? A, gr- a great album without Roger Waters. No, they neither of them have done anything since you know worthwhile since they split. I would give it to Roger Waters over David Gilmore, but the the success has gone to uh, you know Gilmore's gotten all the success by having the name. Now, if Roger Waters had the name, he'd have the fucking success. If four fucking guys you never heard of called themselves Pink Floyd, they'd sell the fuck out. This is the American audience not paying attention. Floyd's coming? Shit, let's go. Let's do this. Brent, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, how's it going, buddies? Good. Um, Simon and Garfunkel. Obviously, Simon's done all right for himself, but um, when those two are together, I mean, that was some good music. I'm sure that Art Garfunkel has some kind of a red phone that only rings if it's Paul Simon, and he just answers it going, yes, I'll do the reunion. Whatever. Just let's go. Um, it is the Ron and Fez show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hicks, I know you had a pretty great last night if you're a Yankees fan. Oh, gigantic. Fucking Mariano getting the 600 saves is crazy. Two away from fucking being over. All time. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing about Mariano, and I hope you and uh, Dave talk about this tonight. On Sports Blast, Eastside Dave's Sportscast. <laughs> Dave Max Sports Program. Give me, do me a favor and just run the name Sports Blast by him. Okay, I'll throw it. Because I think there. it would be huge. What but about the um, the lack of celebration that takes place with that man. Yeah. Just a nice thanks. Hey, don't be fucking hanging around here too much. Very stoic. Nobody picking him up and carrying him around. But I think the defense, the defensive uh, records, people. Don't seem to pop for as much, but this is—I get this number's insane. The guy, a pitching record, you don't think people pop for? I think a starting pitcher, but I think relief pitching. He's as a closer, he's just—he's lights out. He's ridiculous. He is for so many years. He's—I think he's like forty-four now or something. Yeah, and I mean, he's still—it's a gimme that when he comes in. Everyone's like, the game's over. Fuck. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I mean, it's stunning. It's stunning how consistent that man's been. He's 42. All right, I think that the entire Sports Blast show tonight should be based on that. <laughs> Just Mariano? Yeah. The Max Sports Program, but I will be running Sports Blast by him. 
Like, how about Sports Blast tonight? Why don't you just do this every once in a while? Like, if you're dropping some new news, you'd just be like, that's a Sports Blast. We just got to fucking blast the sports <laughs> in here. <laughs> so you're just uh, top of the world as a Yankees oh, fan. It's fantastic. And it, it's been a long time coming. And you fuck, it's, fan, it's the shit. Been a long time coming. It's the shit. That's right. Sports Blast. Sports Blast. Blast the sports in your face. Fez, what sport are you into right now? Uh, NFL. Okay. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Joe, you're on the Run of Fez show. This is a setup for you. Hey, uh, Ronnie, you can't uh, discount Steve Perry and Journey. I know that Filipino kid uh, sings things well and, and it's unbelievable I'm yeah but that's not a part like, that's not a two-man thing like we were talking about it's got to be the glimmer twin type things um greg you're on the run of fest show hey uh how about queen anthony and the chili peppers oh uh, are they considered are they writing partners yeah i don't think they do a whole lot of writing together but see i really uh, think you got to be writing partners in this that's a true partnership in, in it. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Fuck yeah. Look who just came in. The HTG. Happy a little typing sweaty. girl. A little, a little sweaty, still, but, I'm, but I'm here. I know you're worried about the warmth. This is the end of it. That's what it I was thinking. ends today. Tomorrow, drops down to 17 degrees. Day after that, 40 below. Day after that, end times. That's why I would not let myself complain. You know, a little overheated, but it's okay. I can't it's believe the last that that's one. true. I can't believe it's not true that you <laughs> haven't let yourself complain because you are female Larry David. Yeah. Where you see anything on the street and you feel like you need to go over and correct that. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It's annoying. It's to annoying and la- to non-Jews. <laughs> Non-Jews don't mm-hmm. understand that. No. Uh, if you think I'm Larry David, you should be my sister. She is the head Larry David in charge, if there was such a thing. I'll believe it. I'll believe it. If you would have said, if any, you should see this other Jew. But it's a very Jewish thing to do, isn't it? To, yeah. To give opinions. Yeah, and, and in fact, you know, like we kind of look up to it a little bit, but, but it, it can go too far. My sister, every car on the road that she feels isn't doing things properly, she has to educate them somehow. But while that's happening... You make the road worse for other human beings. <laughs> no doubt. Because two cars are riding back and forth. And I'll go so far. If we didn't have society's correctors, okay, <laughs> we would have an easier society. And as a matter of fact, I never saw this as much as I came into New York. Um, when I first got to New York, I was in a little bodega. And Spike came in. And there was like four or five people and Spike Lee comes in on the Upper East Side nice. and I'm just thinking to myself hey fuck there's Spike Lee <laughs> now, I don't go bothering him but I'm thinking in my head there's Spike Lee and I'm watching him and a couple of us are around the counter and he goes and he's putting stuff up and a guy that's like online goes like this hey Spike we got a line here yeah, and I'm like good. it's not fucking cool enough that we get to see Spike <laughs> Lee getting a fucking quart of milk it and would be some fun, better. Beats. To, it would be better to keep them there longer, though, so you could, you know, really stare. I did at not them. want to be around people. And Spike was like, "Oh, okay," and say, and you know, he did the right thing. Good, all right. Did the uh, right thing. Uh, but I'm movie. just saying, in New York, people feel this fucking need to correct other people or to tell people how the business should go. <laughs> well, the correctors feel that even if I'm disruptive this one moment, they'll now that other person's now going to know forever how to do the right th- do things properly. When I had when I lived in Florida, 
<laughs> New Yorkers would come in and oh, they'd always say this. If this was in New York, here's how we would do it. Right. In New York, this would still be open. And I'd go like this. You're not in fucking New York, okay? Go back. Yeah, but go back, Steenstein. <laughs> go back to New York where you can do all that. You can live in this utopian society. Well, this isn't going to shock you, but I, on my way over here, I think I probably had three Larry David moves that I pulled. What are you drinking here? Uh, that's a Gus. I don't even know what this is. Oh. That is grown-up soda. It's good. It's not as sweet as soda. It's Who a little. It? It's it, well, Gus is the brand. It's, I think it's but a small it local brand. Yeah, it's a local brand, and it's like soda that's just a little. You know, it's got a little bit of it's better than just drinking water or. or you seltzer. are right about this. If you were a child, you would despise it. It's oh good yeah. Stuff. Okay, take a sip. <laughs> you have mono. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus Christ! The fuck. Three Larry David moments okay. on my way here. And I felt like I, I had to do it. And they were all related. They were all related to getting on escalators. And you forget that not everyone's from New York. Not everyone knows that if you're just going to stand there, you stay to the right so the rest of us who are in a hurry can zoom up, the keep walking up the left. If you want to walk, do not use the escalator. There was no stairs in this particular spot. Okay. You got so, me there. But do you agree overall? Yes. Walking on escalators well, is bad form? No, it's not bad form. But It's actually illegal. York. Not in New York. Well, it's actually illegal. But it helps you get there even maybe, faster. But the reason why it's illegal, people on escalators with children, there's elderly, there's people that are loose on their pins, and you can knock them over. Mm-hmm. And what do you, fu- what is your fucking hurry? You got to walk on a moving stair. Well, sometimes you got to get something to someone fast. But still, it doesn't make your problems bigger than the rest of the world. All right, I had a bigger one than that then. I'm getting onto the subway. All fucked up. Four or five girls standing right at the entrance to the escalator. Now, yes, I could Chatting. get Yeah. I could I could get around them without making any making them even aware of my presence. But I felt I'm looking at them and I'm thinking you are very thoughtless people. You're blocking passage. So I, I made it my business to loudly say, excuse me, not like angry, not tell them you yeah. got to move, but just make sure they heard me. We have this here, too. We have hall chatters. Yeah. We have tight cor- quarters here. Hall chatters doing work. Don't get me wrong. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm talking to the talent department or whatever. Yeah. And yet. All traffic must stop Takes off on either side, and you do that uncomfortable. I can only walk in between you because you haven't left. It gets weird. You right. know, you need to both line up next to a wall, talk head to head. No one does it. And now your group has to split up, too, to get amongst and weave around in them. And it's even worse if they're blocking an entryway to something. You know, like people who will stand in a doorway. That drives me crazy. Just just step inside Do you ever just say to yourself, though, uh, <laughs> life would be easier if I just chilled out and didn't feel this fucking need yes. to point things out I to people? Yes, I am definitely aware of that. But you can't do it. It's a compulsion. I then can't that's wrong. stop it. it, it just I'll, I'll fume the rest of the day like I really should have said something to those people. See, here's the thing, then. When you have a compulsion, <laughs> you know that you're wrong. And you need. Oh yeah, I know it's wrong. You need to be. You need to see somebody. You need <laughs> I, to see somebody that can help you. I know that my life and their life would be better if I just took a slightly longer walk around and just dealt with it. But I now, feel like I, I want. I feel like I want them to be aware that they're inconveniencing uh, not just me I, but other people. This might help you if you were a chronic masturbator or. <laughs> Somebody who felt the need to expose themselves, they put a rubber band around your wrist so that when you get that urge, you snap it. You should put a rubber band around your wrist 
And when you feel the urge to tell other human beings how to live their life, start to snap it. I don't want to stop. But do you realize that the rest of the world doesn't think, I'm so glad I heard this from no. her. Yeah, I'm, no. Or I'm glad I heard her say this to other people. Oh, it, oh, yeah. I definitely think there are other people who are looking at them with that, ugh, they're so rude standing there look, that are so happy that I said something. They may be looking at that. They're not happy that you made an uncomfortable social thing. It doesn't work that way. A scene. Now, we probably oh, do uh, <laughs> need somebody out there. Um but there's not a lot we can do about it right now. What I like to adopt is the Mike Cockaway, which is uh, he's done things like if someone runs to get ahead of him at a buffet line, he will make a very big deal of going, oh, excuse me, you go first. You're obviously much hungrier than the rest that, of us. That's just, that's sarcasm. It's hysterical. I love it. Mike is a very funny man. <laughs> he puts all of his money into sunglasses. We're all proud of him. Yet, I don't know if he's making a better society <laughs> no by... Problem. This childish, I'm going to say childish, <laughs> act of defiance because somebody was uh, a little hungry. I don't like people to run to buffets. That's one of the reasons why I fucking hate weddings. <laughs> one of a million. And any any occasion that involves a buffet. I don't know about the idea that you're saying these things to make it better for other people. Like, it's it's really, a, I think, a personal Zito, thing. You, you don't like HTG, and it's fucking flowing through <laughs> this, and we all get it. There's <laughs> never been a time where HTG has ever come in, and Zito's like, oh, great, this is going to be good. Yeah, is he going to run in with water bottles now to prove me wrong again? That's Whoa. what he I does. I have a candy bar That's back here for her. That's what he does. He didn't even get your remark. He didn't know uh, that. I got it. Um... Hicks, you don't do this in life, though. No, I just whatever. Fuck it. I I I, just, I, I can let it go. I don't care because I probably do those things. I probably I'm sure I annoy plenty of people on a fucking you know, daily basis. Here's the thing. HTG. I know. Originated to see something say something, <laughs> and it wasn't for any of the reasons that Homeland Security. She just feels this need, as do. And you know what? I know it's a stereotype. But some stereotypes fit. Jewish people point out things that they don't like in social situations. Is it called kvetching? Is that the kvetching? Yeah, I like the way he says it with the extra syllable. Kvetching. <laughs> it's kvetching, right? Uh, Kevin, you're on Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, I want to agree with HG on this though, because the the thing is, is that saying something when somebody's doing something that they shouldn't, like standing in front of an escalator. Maybe next time it'll make them more cognizant if they're in that situation and they won't do it. I disagree. I don't think it will. All it's going to do is make some kind of uncomfortable social thing start and with like, what will you do? And just fucking let's keep moving. Just I've been on the other end of it, though. You know, where I was blocking the elevator and I didn't, e I didn't even notice that I was doing it. You know, I was too much in my own conversation. And when someone pointed it out, I laughed and went, oh, oops. But that, so away. that doesn't help. No, I moved away. I moved out of the way so the next five people didn't have to be annoyed at me. So you're saying that you, when someone comes to you and say, hey, this would be helpful in this so <laughs> no. social situation, you learn from it and move on. No, it has to be something really... If, it, if I'm standing in front of an escalator, that kind of thing, yes, I will learn from it and move on. Um, here is Dan. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, um, HTG, I'm not sure if you have the same uh, compulsion I do, but if I'm in public and, uh, for example, I watched a lady open a pack of cigarettes, she threw the cellophane out her window, then she pulled a little piece of paper off the top, 
threw that out the oh. window. And then she took the base off and threw that out the window. And I'm sitting behind her in my car watching this whole thing go down. And I absolutely lost my shit. Yeah. I pulled, Dan- I, I pulled up next to her and just basically screamed at her. And Good for you. Not, not Dan, I will tell you something. I'm going to do I'm gonna do a topic for you again. I did, I did this a couple years ago where I said I only want to talk to people who litter. And the amount of people, um, the amount of Americans <laughs> I was here. who called and say how much they love to litter and that they go out of their way to do it. So remind me of that, Hicks. I'm going to redo that and see if the world has changed in the last couple of years. Okay. But there's tons of people who adore uh, littering. But yeah, I'm with them. I once followed a car for five miles before realizing, what am I going to do? I'm not going to talk to him. Put a rubber band around your wrist and realize that you're not making yourself happy <laughs> And I'm going to say something. You're, you're not making the world happier mm-hmm. because n- no one wants to hear. No, no other people want to hear the fight break out. They do. I'm telling you, they don't because I've seen it. I've heard it. I've been around it. Uh, George, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah. How about this scenario? I pull up into a gas station, small gas station, four pumps, or actually two pumps, with one on each side. The lady's blocking one side completely, blocking both pumps. She goes inside. There's a line of cars waiting to get gas. She comes out with a grocery bag, two grocery bags, full of stuff, and I freaked out on her. I was, And she said to me they wouldn't have put a uh, convenience store next to a gas station if they didn't want you to shop in it. Shouldn't you get your gas and then go shopping and not block the whole pump? Well, uh, HDG doesn't understand you because in Jersey, there's no self-pumps. What uh, what state are you calling from? Uh, well, this happened in Ohio. I'm not in Ohio right now. I'm a truck driver, but uh, yeah. it was in Ohio in my hometown. And, People and she- struggle with everything that there is to do with gas pumps, even after all these years. They come in from the wrong directions. They p- I've seen so many people park too far away from the pump, and I'm like, what are you doing? How could you have thought that was well, going to work? They will actually block any kind of uh, throughway through there. It's the funniest thing, too, that there are certain states in the middle of the country. Ohio is one of them. I discovered this when I went cross-country. Just a few states where people actually do grocery shopping. In the, they're supposed to be convenience stores I when you're traveling. I will tell you, someone in New Jersey who always did it, and that was Dave. <laughs> At the Palio, at the 7-Eleven. And we used to scream at him, Dave, oh, yeah. you're spending four times more for food than you need to be spending. What I don't um, like about pulling into a gas station is if there's someone at the pump ahead of you, you pull in behind, use mm-hmm. that second pump. They get done and leave. You look like you just came in and took the first pump without moving forward. Oh, no, I don't mind if I can get around you. I'm totally fine with that. Uh... And also because this thing is going on all day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, you might think it's their fault, but they might have been in the same kind of situation that you were moments before. Uh, Jean, you're on the Run of Fez show. I'm going to say it's J A U N and then try to oh, guess. Sorry. Is it Juan? Juan? Okay. Yeah, what's up, Ronnie? Hey. I just want to say that I really enjoy uh, Debbie's Beyond Things and the way that she's enforcing these kind of. The manners that no one pays attention to anymore. And I live in kind of a lower socioeconomic place. And I just see how people will go into a convenience store and see about five people deep. And they'll start yelling, you know, what they want from the, like, you know, they want blunts or they want something real cheap. And they'll try to come in front of everyone. 
I think. Uh, so this we'll is what happens when we get into this, HTJ. Just so you know, <laughs> it quickly becomes minority bashing, no. and this yeah. is what exa- this is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. His no. idea of blunts, and he's trying to get you 40s. like. I understand. Deb, it's black people. No, and I, that's not. No, quote. I'm trying to tell you his story. Yeah. These are your fans. Oh, geez. These are the people lining up behind you. Wait. Now, there is an odd sort of satisfaction and bonding that happens when this happens with the other people who are equally annoyed at what's going on. And, uh, I mean, you, uh, lots of people get annoyed by these things, and they really are grateful. Like, thank God someone said something. I was gonna. Uh, let's go over here to... Uh, Let's go to Tom in Kansas. Sharon Renefest. Yeah, one man had a dream to rid the world of all the correctors. His name was Adolf, I think. See, now we're into racism. <laughs> this is uh, where I never wanted to be. Tim, you're on Renefest. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fuzz. Hey, Pecker Lips. Pepper. What about, Lips. what about the douchebags that get an express line at like a supermarket that it's 10 items or less, but they got like a whole shopping cart filled? So. What, what is this, 1970s stand-up? I also, this is where we get back to with this. I also hate the douchebag, just for the record, that's standing behind that person and counting the items of the person in front of them. You don't think that's you? No. No, I'll only care if it's someone who went way over the line. If, if There's a point where you how have many, to count I, to how see. How many items? It, the point, if you have to count to decide if they're over, then that's not enough over. Um, let's go over to Ron. Ron, you're on run fest. Hey, Ron. Hey, Tucker. I got to agree. Fuck! See, this is when you the, started, HTG. I'm sorry. The dumbest people I've seen oh, are in airports and on, and on airplanes. This is stand-up. This is 1970s stand-up. <laughs> but no, I'm thinking, hey, who bought this bag of peanuts? I'm thinking, hey, why don't they just make the whole plane out of a black box? It also goes hey, into that. Hey. You see someone doing something wrong, and then you look around to see if anyone else noticed. And you're so happy when someone else saw it, too, that you're like, I know. And they're going back, I know, right? And there's just this whole, I know, right, going on. I just feel like you stepped on my Seinfeld bit that I was really cruising along with. I'm sorry. Um, here is uh, Mike in Boston. You're on manifest. Hey, thanks a lot for taking my calls. Uh, I totally it's agree my job. with HTG. Because uh, I do the same thing. Uh, I can't stand it when people block doorways or playing their music too loud or just being rude in general. And I think people just don't have balls to say anything. All right, now, where are people playing their music too loud, Grandpa? No, I'm 30 years old. You might be at a gas station parking lot or going up to a store and somebody's blasting their music or, <laughs> you know... I don't want to get into ethnics either, you know. Yes, uh, that's where we're going. That's By the way, this surprises me. Jermaine Lassier actually tweeted, Movie friends, hate this kid along with us. What? What? New Lights Camera Jackson. (laughs) What? I thought that the G-Baby would love that kid. I thought I was being the asshole. It's all in fun, though. You can't, like, hate. Oh, he despises that kid. You know, um, these guys with the loud music, um, I never geez. get angry or hate, but I do what I <laughs> passed a guy the other day, as loud as it can go, all the windows open, and he is going as slow as he can, and he keeps checking out his windows to see, did you hear my song? Did you, you know, like, and I'm wondering, what is it that you're trying to, I'm just curious. He's what, fucking Radio Raheem. He's very, very, he's pr- yeah, he's proud of his music. 
Uh, Ross, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron, how you doing? I gotta disagree with you. I, I agree with uh, I agree with the girl. Absolutely, speak your mind. Tell these people to mind to, uh, to smarten the fuck up. Get out of the way. All right, Russ. When, when do you tell people when they're doing things wrong? What are you doing? Uh, it depends. It depends on the situation. I mean, it depends, my, it depends on my mood too. But I don't know. I think like her. I mean, a lot of times you you get home or you get to where you're going. You're like, man, I wish I told that person. Like, I never find myself in that predicament. I never. I I leave it behind. Much like you two. I leave it behind. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. I was uh, standing in line, and uh, the line had moved forward, and somebody decided to correct me about, hey, how about we move this line along here, pal? <laughs> Turn around and punch him in the face. How about you shut the fuck up? See, this is you where it, go it escalates the violence. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Why do you need to correct me? The line's only going to move four feet. If four feet's going to make that big of a difference... Now, I'm listening to the way you talk, and it sounds like you were married to Roseanne once. Doesn't he sound exactly like Tom? <laughs> All right, if we're talking about a line of standers, mm -hmm. I'm not going to correct anybody because he's right. What are you going to move? Four inches. But if we're on the road, and you, you know it's heavy traffic, and the guy in front of me won't move up... I am furious because if he doesn't move up, You've, three people from the lane next to us are going to scoot their way in, so and then you, I'm further back. Let me get this straight. You've never been at a light and not immediately went when the All light the time. went? All the time. Okay, I just want to find and out. And you know what? I if don't someone know what yells I was at me in, yeah. and curses at me, they're an asshole. But if you give me that nice little beep, when then a store thanks line for waking gets me up. Too long, it's amazing to me how people can't form the longer line. <laughs> Like when they run out of the space provided, they will take the shortest route possible and jam everybody up, take a curve where <laughs> instead they could have just gone down and kept the line going down an aisle where there's room to do it. Well, then you fuck up the aisle, though. People trying to get cereal and what? People are actually trying to shop there. Yeah. Mm, um, see, there's always somebody who's going to be unhappy. But we're all human beings in this, what I like to call, lifeboat earth. And we're all here together, trying to survive on the only rock that has water and oxygen and all the space that we're able to see. And I don't know why we love our aggravation so much. Can't, Can you I just uh, find a way to fucking be cool? By the way, I was thinking earlier, speaking of Larry David, can I call you Ra? Based on the La? Yeah, like, she she doesn't say La. Yeah, she says La. I love it when people change my fucking name. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. I love when people call me Mr. B. Okay, no Just Ra. fucking just move everything out of the way. That's, that's perfect. Noted. Um... Forget the fact that I've been on the air with the same name for all these decades. <laughs> uh, here's our good friend Holly in St. Pete. Hey, everybody. Hi, HTG. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm just calling because I just hate people in general. And um, one, a few months ago, I was at the beach, and some little kid had his, you know, diving goggles on or whatever, and he found a sand dollar, and it was still, you know, fuzzy, and it, had, it was brown and everything. And I said to the kid, I'm like, that's still alive. Well, he must have told his whole family, and there was like 50 people out there, and they're all diving and picking up these sand dollars. I'm telling them, like, it's brown and has fur on it. They're still alive. So your point is that the that people need to stop coming to Florida. <laughs> but it's not, but there's like, they tell you, on you know, there's a $5 or a five sand dollar limit that you're only allowed to have, and they tell you, you know, not like these tourists are going to know. But like, I'm out there, and I'm like, 
do you not understand these are still living creatures and you're killing them? And they were just like, whatever, and they go out with the bucket and they just start, you know, filling them up with sand dollars and nobody cares. You would be great with PETA. <laughs> no, I'm not that extreme, but it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, they're live creatures. It was just, the you know, the tide was out real far and they're in the sand and the little kids find them and then they just think that they're sand dollars and then little do they know when they stick them in their suitcase and stick them on the plane their oh. clothes are going to stink to the high heaven that, when they get home. Yeah, that's all good for them. Sad. Alright, thanks darling. <laughs> Holly's, uh, Holly's getting a Ronnie B sent FedEx to her from New York down to Florida. Is that right? That should taste delicious by the time it gets there. <laughs> um, here's our buddy Rich on the 28th floor here on Manifest. Hey Ron, I gotta call out the people in the movie theaters that are texting. Um, Can't stand the light. It's very, very interesting to see that people can't make it through a movie anymore. Now, yeah. some people will check their time on it, but other people, you see them go out of their way, and you're like, well, you're not having the movie experience anymore. Mm -mm. Uh, and I have seen people get pissed at them. I've actually seen that take place in a screening room where uh, a fucking film critic, noted film critic, oh. <laughs> Got up and fucking yelled at this woman. Put it out! Put it out! Put it out! It was fucking hysterical because it was a screening room with about fourteen seats, oh, so everybody oh, had to fuck. turn around. You know, yeah, it was fucking hilarious. The, the movie theater is one of the biggest sources of needed correcting. I actually don't even like when people talk during a foreign film. Yeah, when I'm reading. I don't even like when people talk during the coming attractions. I feel like, oh, there's so you much know, talking during shut, the coming attractions. Yeah, shut it down. That looks good. Let's go see that. Yeah, why are they got to do that? Well, I can get a laugh when a really bad coming attraction, and I'll go like this. That looks so cool. <laughs> it always gets a laugh, or I can't wait. We'll get a gigantic laugh. Um, it's normally about a rom com. I hate to tell you, but it's normally a rom com. Oh, they're all good, but. Um, I'll never speak up in the movies, but I will constantly do that thing that Jerry Seinfeld did in that episode with the look around, you know, where you first just kind of look out of the side of your eye and then you do the full turnaround and you look. You, it, again, you're just using Jewish people. If you could once just say a Gentile did it. Elaine. Um, let's go over here to Mike. Mike, you're on Manifest. Hey, Ron. HTG, Festering Hiv. Um, Pepper Hicks. What in oh, what? the fuck? Pecker on your hips. Got it. Um, Pepper Hicks. Pepper Hicks. So anyway, the uh, aircraft or airline uh, baggage claim area. Yeah, what's with this? Everybody's <laughs> going for the same bag at the same time. Hey, please. Spat. Sign Spat. Spat. Uh, let's go over here to Jerry. You're on the run of face show. Hey, Pecker Dicks. Pepper Dicks, what the fuck? See, and she tried to do that to me with Ra. Okay. I don't um, like um, when people change my name. I will never do it again. I apologize. It's too late. It's out there now. And you know what? It would have been one thing if you would have said off there, hey, uh, I like uh, I like to start calling you Ra and see if that catches on. And I could have said to you, no. But to say it on air, when you know there's some asshole listeners, look what they do to Pecker Lips. Mm. Pepper Hicks. Why? Well, come on. But I'm just pointing out what they call you, the noise. Oh, okay. Uh, what do you got, Jer? Hey, you know the automatic uh, registers at, at uh, supermarkets? There's no, there's no cashier there. Love that. 
Well, there's, um, I'm standing in line. There's six of them there, six open, one line for all six of them. Some girl behind me asked to go ahead of me. I had a full cart, and I told her no. So she goes to her own register. I go to my own register. She leaves before I do. She turns around and says, excuse me, sir, but you're an asshole. I said, well, you're a fat cunt. Hmm. So this is making the world better. This well, is, well, that ends well. We're all calling each other fat cunts. <laughs> this is the world, HTG. And that I doesn't would, happen in my seriously, world. Seriously, this is because you're the only one doing it. But if everybody was acting like you, <laughs> it would be a world of madness. Oh, oh. It would be like Biff got the fucking sports book. And now no, everything, there's just open fires burning Biker all over. Go out, go out to any New Jersey shopping mall. Never. And it's not Why? just the Jews. Never. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, I'm going to agree. Not just because, the Jews. Because the Gentiles have been Jewified there, where because this becomes the standard operating thing. You know, there, there is a from Staten Island Italian type that is full, throughout New Jersey, and I can't figure out if they're copying the Jews or the Jews are copying them, but they're absolutely You know insane. what? I, I would like to take you sometime to Wisconsin or in Iowa, where people just act kind. Minnesota is another place. People just act kind. And they find, hey, can I go in front? Please do, my friend. Come on in. <laughs> and then the, people know that the only way they're going to be asked for that is not out of rudeness, but out of emergency. And they can trust each other <laughs> that people aren't trying to beat them to the punch. And here, when in, let's say, in New Jersey, and you're at a wedding, God forbid your table doesn't get the food first, because that's all oh you fucking God. hear from. Jesus Christ. And it's because they constantly see the world. Like, what are we, last? As not having enough. There's a room full of, worse than Larry David's, a room full of Susie Essmans at every single uh, wedding in New Jersey. Uh, yes, yes, there is. Um, let's go over to uh, Danny and Marilyn Yarman, Fez. Hey, Ron Fez. Uh, coming out of my daughter's school, uh, when you leave school, you can't make a left-hand turn between 7.30 and 9.30. And there's always the same assholes that want to stop the traffic and make that left. You know who you are, people. Stop <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's go over here to Brad. Brad, you're on a fence. Hey, guys. Uh, love the topic, by the way. This gets me fired up all the time because my buddies actually, we really do talk about this shit. But I bartend, and the biggest complaint that I have is there's kind of a hierarchy at the bar. You you have a line that's kind of assembled and formed. There's one asshole that walks up to the bar, throws his $20 bill on his two fingers, and starts waving it back and forth like, get me two beers, get me two beers. And it's like, dude, you, you can't see that there's seven other people ahead of you. Brad. And then by the time you take all seven orders, get everybody's place, this guy gives you the fucking attitude because you didn't get his beer. The Brad, second he walked in... You know <laughs> and I know that there are... Liquor whores out there will that will go to him first. This is your profession's problem. Your profession will act to two one dollar bills as if life itself has just stopped. The food and liquor business is known for if I shake your hand and there's a five in there, you will treat me like I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> you set this thing up so now we know. You know what? I'll take an extra twenty dollars mm. and just bypass. Any fucking normal person in the world. And you that's the beauty of it. People think that they've got to pass a hundred over. You can put a fucking fiver in yeah. your hand and end up sitting next to fucking Woody Allen. 
You know what? I don't mind being the guy on the line then, because the way I look at it is I got my drink $20 cheaper than that guy, and all I had to do is wait a little. Another stereotype not broken here on the Ron and Fez show. <laughs> Frugal. Um, but Jews love to palm a five at a maitre d'. Chad, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, Ron. Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention I uh, got back from Burning Man out of Nevada for um, my first visit just a couple weeks ago, and you know, a crowd of 50,000 strong, it was amazing to see just the unity and togetherness and generosity and What if and the ecstasy cart came around? Would there be people pushing then? Say that again? What if they had acid or ecstasy that they were giving out for free? Do you think people would be pushing? Um, well, there there are some things given out out there. Well, everything is given out for free. That's the beautiful part. You'll be walking around the middle of the desert and some fool on a caterpillar roll. And all you guys think cool. life is going to turn out that way. I would go to Burning Man if they held it at a cooler fucking place where it wasn't so hot. There's some articles out that saying this. It's just for rich people now. Only so, rich yeah. people can afford to go. I've always wanted to go, but uh, it's just too fucking expensive. There have to be, by now, the kind of people walking around there that, the, you know, like the good people who went for the original purposes are just rolling their eyes going, I can't believe the kind of people showing up here now. Jack, you're in Yeah, hey, guys. Hey, HCG, I think a lot of the, the impatience you have is from that, that town you grew up in with all the old people, the Asian people, and the Jewish people. Nobody knows how to drive. See, it always goes back into racism. Uh, I will say this from living in Florida. The way we hate old people in this country really needs to stop. I agree. It's embarrassing. I can't. You know what? The old people are never on my anger list. I can't stand to see someone mean to an old person. When you're driving, you never yell at the old people. You just let them... No, I'll make some comments to the person in the car with me of, why, where's their kids? Why are they letting them drive? But, you know, because it's dangerous. But I will never be mean to an old person. All right, that's it for us. Uh, HDG comes in here like about out of hell today. But uh, I do want to thank our guest, Peter Hook. First responders, well, you're actually second responders, but we would appreciate it. You can pick that link up over on 202 Friends. Also, tonight is the last Big Brother. Didn't have a chance to talk that over. Anyone who takes Rachel's to the finals deserves to lose because she will beat anyone. That's my prediction. She's the, taking it home. If the guy from Hoboken is playing for 50, Porsche's playing for 50, unless they take each other or else it's over. I don't know, though. A lot of people hate Rachel. Maybe they would vote for Porsche, but they definitely vote for Adam. Uh, but if Rachel doesn't win, it's all personal and not based on the game. They're the kind of people to say Tom Brady sucks, and I can't be around them. Uh, that's it. We're back in here tomorrow for a big, big Thursday show. We will see you then. And that's the end of my show. Donk. 